So you're working on your own comic. Great, so is everyone else. Is it any good? Of course you think it is. Oh, and your mom likes it? Well, when did she start working at Marvel? Who can you turn to for inspiration, encouragement, and an honest opinion? If you're looking for in-depth critiques of comics, both well-known and unknown, and an examination of how this thing we call comics really works, and can be made to work better, listen to Deconstructing Comics Podcast. Send us your comic and we'll critique it on the show, for free and everything. Who are we to judge? We're published creators with a wide view of the history of the comics medium in all its forms. Check out our site at deconstructingcomics.com. Look to mom for a good dinner. We can't cook, but for pointers on improving your comic, listen to Deconstructing Comics. This is it! And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Welcome to Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 52, and this is a landmark episode of Star Wars Monthly Monday. I am Chris Honeywell, and I am here with my landmark co-host, Scott Gardner. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Um, this is our, well, you know, it's I don't want to say final episode of Marvel Comics Star Wars. It is. But it is, as it Marvel is. Comics Star Wars proper goes. Yeah, this is this is it. This is it. It's just mopping up. We're so we're gonna sort of go back. We're gonna have a weird little after this. We'll have a weird little um. Oh, trip back in time, I guess, because we'll be dealing with storylines that were mostly from back further and with artists from back further in this run. So that's gonna be good. That'll be just some nice. So we won't have to just let go of it cold turkey. We're still going to get some of our favorite artists, and absolutely, yeah, it's we're it's going to be a lot of fun in a, in a lot of ways. 
the the future episodes because there's been a lot of questions. A lot of people have, have been in touch with me saying, "Okay, you know, big final episode, what comes next?" And uh, and we've done a lot of discussion of that. What comes next? Um, so just to to kind of let you peek behind the curtain, coming next, coming immediately next. I think we agreed, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on this at any point, Chris, but I think we, we basically we discussed this and we agreed that um, for the immediate future, we're going to uh, basically do a little mop-up, cover the things related to Marvel Star Wars that we never got to. Um, that includes the two annuals, or the first two annuals, rather, because there were three right, annuals we all together, and we did the third one. Um, because it was relevant to a, a storyline within the series itself. One and two, to my recollection, um, were just one-off stories that didn't really uh, relate to anything happening in the series. And because of that, uh, we just kind of skipped over them. Not really intentionally skipped them, it just kind of happened that way. So we're going to go back, we're going to look at those. We are also going to cover the stories released in the UK that were part of Marvel Star Wars, but only part of Marvel UK Star Wars. So there were a few stories that were exclusive to them. Um, Most of them saw print eventually in the US in various different formats. And again, one of them never has been reprinted up till now, I I believe. So we're going to touch on all that. But Basically, here's the awesome thing. You guys can follow along with us with this very easily. Very soon, I believe it's uh, the beginning of, uh, of this month, June, there's going to be a new omnibus coming out from Dark Horse Comics. It's called Star Wars Omnibus Wild Space, Volume 1. And this is basically, here's the solicitation for it. It says, a wild collection of rare Star Wars comics, including Alan Moore's Marvel UK Tales, a slew of stories from toy pack-ins, cereal boxes, and Star Wars kids, and pizzazz magazines. Collects uh, Star Wars 3D 1 through 3, Star Wars Devil Worlds 1 and 2, Star Wars Death Mask, which is that issue I was talking about that hasn't been reprinted up till now, Star Wars Weekly 60, 94 through 99 and 104 through 115 um, Star Wars from Pizzazz uh, issues 10 through 16 and then various other stories uh, and one-offs that sort of thing a lot of material in there and I'm really excited about this because again a lot of this stuff has never been reprinted and it's never been reprinted to where all of these storylines were presented all in one time, all in one format. So if you want to follow along with us, this is going to be the most convenient way to do it because it's all going to be right there in one nice new package. So, again, that comes out uh, sometime this month and it uh, will be coming out through. You can pre-order it. I've actually pre-ordered mine through Amazon. So if you go to our website click through the uh, the Amazon link there. You won't spend any extra money, but we'll get a nice little kickback for it so you can help support the show that way. Speaking of kickbacks, how, mu- how much is that omnibus anyway? Because that's something I would really, I'd want to have that in the hard copy sort of way, especially. I've got to get, I've still got to get two or three more issues of Marvel Star Wars to have all of them. Two of which are 106 and 107, which 
are going to cost me. I'm I'm sure unless any, any uh, generous listeners out there have extra copies of those. But yeah, I would like to have hard copies of everything that we ever covered on Star Wars Monthly Monday. For many months now, I have been watching eBay for Star Wars 107, hoping to score you a copy of that. Yeah, and I just uh, have not I've been, been looking. I've been watching for it, too. We've probably been looking at the same <laughs> auctions. And it's, yeah, it doesn't look good for a lot. And uh, with new Star Wars movies coming out and cartoons and all that, mm-hmm. it's probably going to stay in that in that area, I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, it, it holds a couple of distinctions. You know, it's the last issue... Print run was very low by that point. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of sort of wraps everything up. And as we'll be discussing here in a little while, it was one of the very earliest works by one of the modern superstars or, you know, a couple of years ago he was considered a superstar of uh, of comicdom who was a virtual unknown at the time. So uh, those factors kind of all come together to uh, to put the price up on that. All right, mm-hmm. so I'm looking here at Amazon, and again, you can get here if you go to our swanky brand new website. We are no longer at Libsyn. We are now twotruefreaks.com. We actually have our own website now. So if you go through two We're true freaks independent. Independent. <laughs> so if you go through there, click on that Amazon link that's right there on the front page. We'll take you to Amazon, and again, anything you purchase, no extra cost to you, gives us a little kickback, though, so it helps support the show. Look for Star Wars Omnibus Wild Space Volume 1. It's credited here. It says, by Mike W. Barr, Chris Claremont, Archie Goodwin, and Alan Moore. It comes out June eleventh, two 2013, and if you pre-order it right now, you save a bunch of money. It's sixteen sixty-five. Okay, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to retail, full retail on it will be $25. So, I mean, you save a bundle by, uh, by pre-ordering it. And uh, so, yes, do that. And let's help Chris get a copy. Yes. Keep those, uh, keep those donations coming on in so that Chris can, uh, can get a copy as well. Get Chris to read a goddamn Star Wars comic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, so further than that, I think we finally settled on the next thing that we'll be doing after that wrap-up. And again, I have no idea at this point. We we know what we want to do. We don't know exact, exact time frames. So between the annual and the wrap-up, who knows? We could be talking six months. I have no idea how long it's going to take. Um, but eventually, after that, I think the very next thing, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris... But I think we pretty much settled on the newspaper strips. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they're not really Marvel, but they're sort of the same sort of artists and same sort of creative space, you know? Right. That they were coming from. They have the same feel. Right. They have their own feel, but it's closer to the Marvel comics than anything, you know, anything else that's come after it. Well, the second Heather's basically the in my mind anyway. The newspaper strips kind of exist in in two worlds. Right. You've got you've got the original world, which was Russ Manning, and see, I always thought that Russ Manning was just the artist on that, and I recently learned that no, they are properly called the Russ Manning strips because he did everything. He was writer, artist, everything on that, which I didn't realize. And then the second half is really going to give us that that solid 
throwing back to early Marvel feel because it's Al Williams. Uh, it's uh, excuse me, um, Archie Goodwin as the writer who was the writer on a lot of the early stuff, pre Empire, and Al Williamson is the artist. That is exciting to me because it's all virgin territory to me. I have the trades, but I've actually never read very far into it. I, I've enjoyed what I've read. I just haven't read much, and I'm really anxious to to delve deeper into that and, and discover more of it. So that'll be a lot of fun because I hold the, the Russ Manning stuff near and dear. You hold the, the Al Williams stuff. Oh, Al Williams and stuff. stuff, too. I remember it came out in uh, in the Watertown Daily Times. Yep. We were both reading it. You yep. know, I had my grand. We both had our grandparents saving it <laughs> for us. Did you know? I, I was curious if if you had seen this. It's probably going on about two years ago now. But you know those series of action figures that they come out with? Um, They're usually based on comic books, be it Marvel or Dark Horse. But they're two packs of action figures. Uh, uh, Star Wars, you know what I'm talking about? Like I have the one that has like... Lumaya and and Luke with his two lightsabers, you know, shirt, or, you know, sleeveless Luke. You know the ones I'm talking about. Yes, I, I I know what you're talking about. I think I've seen that one at your place in Georgia. There is one that came out, and again, this is probably about two years ago. And the issue that was reprinted in it, you know, because they each come with a comic book reprint. It was an issue of um, early what's it called classic star wars the early adventures i think is what it was called that's what dark horse called the imprint that they did that was reprinting the russ Mm -hmm. manning strips from the newspaper it was an early issue of that maybe the first issue i'm not sure but anyway an early issue of that and the two figures that were in there one of them was black hole and one of them was one of the dark troopers yeah it was awesome and i'm an idiot for not picking it up when i saw it one time i've never seen it again i saw it on the shelf one time and i thought eh, i'll pick that up another time and i missed it and uh and now i got to have one because i always thought black hole was one of the cooler star wars create you know original creations but of course we'll we'll get into that on down the road but yes basically that's what you've got to look forward to folks coming along for uh star wars monthly monday and there's a whole bunch episode. of possibilities for what could go on after that once we go beyond Marvel. Absolutely. And we've been discussing making the uh, the current ongoing series from um, Dark, Dark Horse regular coverage on this show. So that we basically we'd be covering some nice old school stuff going all the way back to, like, say, the newspaper strips. But then we'd also have something for modern day Star Wars fans by covering, you know, this book that's uh, current and coming out now. So, well, the neat thing about that book is it's set right. It, it basically starts off at the same time episode, or issue seven of Marvel Star Wars right. started. So it's almost like starting over again, and it's almost like going through a different timeline. Right. Starting over again from a, the same point. That would be really fun to look at it from, you know, you've got, you've got something like, say, the Russ Manning strips picking up right after the movie, but from a 30 years ago perspective, and then the modern perspective doing the same exact thing in a complete right. modern way. That that well, would be fun. That would be a lot. Well, the thing is, when they, when they had to start up at issue seven, they only had Star Wars behind them, and they knew nothing about the future. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, the writers know what happened in between, so they know where everybody's got to go and everything that's 
a lot of things that have to happen and and can happen can't happen so it'll be interesting to see each of those have their limitations so it'll be interesting to see what dark horse has to do to make an interesting story full of characters that you know aren't going to die mhm so yeah i've heard good things i actually as of this recording i still have not read the issues yet but i've got uh, the first 3 of them so far i think that's all that's out so far I'm anxious to. I hear nothing but good things. I have not heard one complaint so far, so I'm very anxious to uh, to delve into that and check it out. But I'm I'm kind of holding that in reserve until we're ready to uh, to tackle it. But yeah, I think that'll yeah, be a I lot won't of fun. My, I won't give my opinion on it beyond that. I think it, it definitely would be worthy of us doing uh, covering it. You know. So, yeah. Cool. What uh, do you have some Star Warsy stuff to bring to the table for the preamble yeah. here? If anybody uh, has been listening to, I only have one episode out now. Maybe I'll have two out or three out by the time this comes out. But I have a new podcast called Garage Sale Gloat, where I do just that. I gloat about all the stuff that I get at garage sales, and I tell you what I got, tell you what it is, and uh, tell you how much I get for it on eBay or or whatever. But I I did pick up a few Star Wars items in the last... uh, in the last two or three weeks, I got a hardcover like ro- Star Wars role-playing game book that's really neat. Although I know nothing about the game, but it's still neat because it's full of pictures and and schematics and stuff like that. But the big Star Wars score. Well, I also got a kid's Jango Fett outfit, <laughs> where I think the mask would fit me, but it's like one of those like little kid spandex suits but it's got rubber Django fat armor on it oh yeah and uh but uh the big score and i owe it to uh my next door neighbor scotty who scott and i went to high school with who's randomly my next door neighbor he took me out garage shailen on saturday was it saturday yeah saturday and uh we were at this one garage sale and I was about to walk away and he just like, you know, nodded his head over there and goes, that looks like Star Wars stuff. And I was like, there's two little little boys, probably about seven, eight years old with a big plastic bin full of uh, first thing I saw was Slave One, you know, a Ooh. nice and it's a it, it's all Clone Wars era Slave One, you know, so it's more like an episode two Slave One. And I can't remember the name. It, it had one of the um, um trade federation troop carriers and then it had a couple clone trooper ships that i'm not familiar with they might have popped by the screen for five seconds in the and clone wars or something or not you know they might just be something they designed to be a toy one's a sort of almost like a b-wing but it's got a little l sort of thing going on with it and uh Another one that I have to put it together to see what it actually looks like. Because they were all in pieces, and the kids just gathered up all the pieces for me. Oh, the one that, that you said may, uh, that looks like a B-Wing. I wonder if that's the ship that, uh, that Anakin had in the very beginnings of Clone Wars. It might be. You know, the it one from the be. movie? It was like a yeah. tramp freighter or something like that. Mm, yeah, I don't think it was that ship. This one's a lot more sleek. Oh, okay. It's a sleek fighter you know it's it's obviously an attack ship and very very thin and aerodynamic although i don't know what that really has to do with anything in space but it's (laughs) star wars so 
So that and I got all those for five bucks. This whole bin wow. full Star Wars toys for five bucks, and they were all in pieces. But it's all the pieces that came off. So I'm gonna sit down one of these days and put those all together. But that's about it. I recently, uh, oh, off eBay, I got a cheap copy of Star Wars number twenty. Which oh, you got it finally. Finally, which uh, brings my collection even closer. I've got like one somewhere in the middle there, like in the seventies, more to actually like three quarters of the way through, and then I've got one hundred six and one hundred seven, and I think that's it. Now twenty was, let me think, what was on the cover of twenty? Was that part of the wheel storyline? Yes, it was. Is that the one with the red skull and the wheels around his head? Nope. No. It's the one. It's the one with the multi-armed creature with the knives and oh, his yes. standing over Han. That's right. That's right. I knew it was right in that era, though. That's funny. That's a pretty decent issue. Yeah, it's a decent cover too. Yeah, I like the cover on that one. Very cool. Well, I've had Star Wars on the brain here in the last twenty mm-hmm. hours because, uh, of course, Star Wars weekends are going on right now over at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. We went yesterday. It was the first weekend of it, and that was a lot of fun. They had um, Boba Fett was there. You know, Jeremy uh, Bullock was there. Um, James, I almost said James Newton. <laughs> James Arnold Taylor, voice of Obi Wan, was there. Ray Park was there. Uh, uh, Darth Maul. I keep expecting uh, you to go Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was a lot of fun. Man, it was packed. There were a lot of people for that first weekend, but it was a lot of fun. We uh, we just stayed a few hours because uh, we ended up getting rained out. The, the, the heavens opened and we got drowned, so we ended up leaving a little bit early. But uh, I mostly went that first weekend just to check out the merchandise. And uh, if you're curious about that, check me out on Facebook. I took a ton of pictures, got everything posted up. Lots of really, really, really cool merch this year. A lot of really neat stuff. And, uh, Chris, remember when we were at, uh, Star Wars Celebration 6, they had that Rancor that we, you know, the full-size yeah. we got our picture with? They had her again. She was actually at the merchandise location, uh, this year for Star Wars Weekends. I thought that was very cool. Very cool. Oh, long, cool. long lines to get your picture with her, but it was the same exact one. I thought that was really neat. But, uh, a lot of fun, and they had, a, a really, some really nice additions to, uh, the uh, the art gallery this year, which was really nice. A beautiful picture of uh, Slave One flying away from Cloud City, which I thought was really cool. But really nice stuff. But uh, prior to that, a couple weeks before, um, there was the uh, there was a special event again at, over at the studios for May Fourth. It was May the Fourth Be With You, and it was a one night, just one time event, special Star Wars presentation. Basically, it was kind of like Star Wars Weekends light. It was like a preview, basically, for Star Wars Weekends. But again, uh-huh. a one-night event. The big deal with that, though, the thing that was really awesome with that was they had a special one-time show um, that was basically... Uh, it was the capper for the day. And it was called Symphony in the Stars, a Star Wars Fireworks Spectacular. And uh, I got a lucky break. I was able to actually get out of work a little bit early that night, sneak back over to the studios, and I was able to record it all. So at the very end of this show, 
I'll be treating you guys a really special uh, little audio treats and great surround sound. It's one of those like you are there audio experiences, and uh, and I'll give you guys a Symphony in the Stars. You'll get a real kick out of it. It's a lot. So of- you're happy with your new audio recorder? Oh, right? man, I'm telling you that it, it that particular piece is just gorgeous. I mean, it, it's literally you are there, and uh, yeah, you'll you'll get a kick out of it. You'll love the audio. It's really solid. I have a little brief May the 4th be with you. I was garage sailing on May the 4th be with you, so I also miss free comic book day. But, uh, of course, whenever I go garage sailing, I wear a Star Wars t-shirt because it makes kids go, you like Star Wars? And they run inside to sell me their Star Wars toys. <laughs> so I was walking, and this guy came, and he was pulling pulling a wagon, you know, the, the classic little red wagon behind him with, like, a little... Shirley Temple girl in the back and I could see her like pulling on his sleeve and pointing at me and I'm like yeah what's she pointing at and I'm like oh yeah I got R2 and she's just like R2 and 3PO and I'm and uh so he so I I sort of saw that going and thought she was just pointing out characters she knew on my shirt so he comes over to me and he's just like excuse me sir um she wanted you to have this and he hands me a little sticker with a picture of Yoda on it and on the back in crayon, it says, May the 4th be with you on it. Oh, that's So she was cool. probably handing them out to everybody who was had something Star War- that was Star Wars. It looked like they liked Star Wars. That's so awesome. That really cool. I mean, she was a tiny, she was probably like five years old. So that's great. That's adorable. <laughs> Dude, I saw a t-shirt there. And I kicked her. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a t-shirt that you and I would die for. It was awesome. And unfortunately, I saw it. It was on a guy who was across an avenue from me right at parade time when there was like 20 billion people all lined up for the parade, right? So as soon as the parade was over. And you didn't want to scare him by There was this. Well, you know, I I couldn't get to him. You know what I mean? And as soon as the parade was over and I wanted to go over and just ask him, hey, dude, where'd you get that awesome t-shirt? Then it was like the massive throng of people all breaking up and heading off in different directions. So again, I lost him in the crowd. But it was a it was a gray T-shirt, so it was all in gray tones and everything. And it was Indiana Jones standing in like a dark, dank cave, holding up a torch. And what's lit in the light of the torch is Han Solo frozen in carbonite. I've seen that picture floating around the internet's lately. Yeah. Yeah, but I I'd never seen it. I saw it today actually on uh, on Facebook, and I forget who posted it. Paul Riches, I think. And I Whenever messaged I've him and it, said, it's been, "It's been had like I've got a bad feeling about yeah, this sort I, of at the bottom of it." I didn't see that on the shirt, but like I said, I saw that I saw the picture on Facebook today, and whoever posted it, I, I put left a little comment. Hey, I saw this you know on a T-shirt at Star Wars Weekends. But that's the first time I had seen it, and now I've seen it on Facebook. So I know it's out there. I don't know which came first, the T-shirt or the or the image that's going around. Right. The but one way or the other, I want that T-shirt. Who knows if that's that an official? Awesome. It might not be an officially licensed T-shirt. You know, oh, it might be point. something yeah. somebody's just making off that meme. Off. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah, it could be. There were some awesome T-shirts, a lot, a lot of Marvel Comics T-shirts that always makes me want to stop people and go, where'd you get that? Because I still have yet to get a Marvel Star Wars T-shirt, and it's making me crazy how many of them I see on other people. Do you have those outlet malls down there that are just like, you know, they're 
they're uh, sort of they'll you know they'll be sort of almost like a little enclosed not enclosed mall but they'll sort of be all the stores will be in the same little unit yeah, yeah we have and a couple it's, of them, and it's yeah. factory outlets yeah there's one store that shows up at all those it's I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, you know, officially licensed or something like that. And it's all tie it movie tie in and licensed character products. Ooh. And I'm going to have to shop around for that now. If you, if you can find that place, that was one of the, that was a place where I found star Wars stuff that I'd never seen anywhere else. There was Marvel and DC, everything, you know, and cartoon characters or what, what have you. But that's where I got my favorite Star Wars T-shirt of all time. It's falling, literally falling apart now. But it had, it was just a black T-shirt, and it had sort of, you know, that it's sort of a felty iron-on. It's mm-hmm. black. It's almost like GI Joe hair. Yeah. And it had the Emperor made out of that. You know, just sort of. Oh it yeah. Was, it was a sort of like so they probably took one of Al Williamson's pictures from the comic. And just did a stylized black with the with that fuzzy stuff, and then his hands and his face were fuzzy, but they were glow in the dark. Right. And it, I just loved that T-shirt, and I got that. I got my Jar Jar underwear there too. Well, that smells stinky. With <laughs> Jar Jar underwear, it was obscene because it had his face on the front. So you know how Jar Jar's face is. <laughs> <laughs> I would have no problem whatsoever leaving bacon strips on Jar Jar's head. Oh, no! (laughs) Not at all. With that wonderful mental image, why don't we uh, take a little break, and as much as it pains me, as as much as we've been trying to, to put it off, it is time to get to that final issue. Yep. Even though we have issues with it. <laughs> the Dinner for Geeks podcast. Four geeks eating dinner. Opinion. Batman Begins was interminable. Screw all of you people in your backstory. Okay? <laughs> Gosh, it's, no, it's no Grease 2, I'll tell you that. I don't think she was ever hotter than in Grease 2, and I hate to say that because I'm not a musical man. Maxwell Caulfield, also never hotter than in Grease 2. <laughs> Question. Why in God's name did Kenner decide to go, you know, we just don't like the head on that solo figure. Let's redo it and make it look ridiculous. Who is Navin Jones? Story. <laughs> you don't have a gun. And you don't think you're... you're... I don't think I'm responsible enough. No. Yeah, yeah. And I do have a gun, but I started thinking, I don't think I'm responsible enough. <laughs> well, it's a small gun, so I called it my holdout blaster. <laughs> If you're calling it a blaster, you're probably not responsible. <laughs> and the one time I was, was... calling it pop pop <laughs> And the one time I thought of buying another gun, it was a broom handled Mauser. Oh no! So you're <laughs> exactly. Solo's gun? Exactly. Oh wow! <laughs> and I talked to my uncle, who was a gun guy. I told him what I wanted to get. And he goes, "Why would you Why? want that?" <laughs> and I told him. He goes, "Maybe you don't need a gun." <laughs> and dinner. We got seasonal food. For yeah. Uh, you got any pickles back there? No. Dinner4geeks.libsyn.com or in the Apple iTunes store under Dinner for Geeks. It's like an Easter egg you don't have to look real hard to find.
Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? Humans make illogical decisions. Destruct sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found Mr. Spock! I'm talking to Mr. Spock to his hand! Starfleet, do you read? This is the Enterprise. We are under attack. Fire, Mr. Scott. Star Trek Monthly Monday, covering every episode of the classic original TV series in randomly selected order, on the second Monday of every month, at 2TrueFreaks.com. Alright, we're back. How's that? No, we're back. You gotta remember the music we're coming back off of, though. Right, okay. That's right, we're back. (laughs) And it's time for the Marvel Star Wars. But before we get to the wonderful synopsis and discussion of the final Marvel Star Wars comics, Scott's got a little something to talk about that I don't even know what the hell he's he's got. (laughs) It's a surprise for everybody. I thought you would uh, be amused by this. I've been trying to get to the bottom of this story and unfortunately um, have so far struck out. I have not heard back from the parties involved. But anyway, what I've got in my hands, what I'm looking at here, I'm looking at a special issue of Marvel Age magazine. Now, Marvel Age, for anybody that doesn't know, this was was Marvel's in-house... what would you call this? It was like a coming attractions little coming attractions behind the scenes. Behind, yeah. Publicity, you know, yeah, it was basically press releases for the most part and this kind of like bullpen bulletin spun into its own little magazine. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was a comic, it was comic size. The page count was usually very light and it was typically um quite a bit less than the cost of the average comic. In this case, it says only 50 cents. And I think regular issues at this time were, uh, well, yeah, right here, we're looking at Star Wars final issue, 75, 75 cents. cents. So, yeah, it's a couple cents less. You know, it's a quarter less. Anyway, by the way, great cover on this of, uh, of Stan the Man as he looked in 1986, looking a lot. I still think he looks a lot like Lee Majors myself. Anyway, the relevant part of all this is each of these would always have a really nice coming attraction section, which basically gave you the rundown on all the books that you could expect over the course of the next month and when they were coming out and a little teaser for them. 
Check this out for Star Wars number 107. It says, sometimes a reputation can hurt more than it helps. That's what Luke Skywalker discovers when he lands on a uh, frontier-style world and discovers everyone is out to become uh, known as the man who shot Luke Skywalker. Written by Joe Duffy, penciled by Cynthia Martin, and inked by Ken Stesey. 75 cents. Now, spoiler, this is not the story in Star Wars 107. This is not a story that we have covered. This is not a story that we're going to cover in the annuals or the Marvel UK issues. What the hell is this story? I'm really intrigued by this. Does this mean there is somewhere sitting in a drawer an untold tale of Marvel Star Wars? I have gotten in touch with Joe Duffy and Cynthia Martin. I have yet to get an answer one way or the other, but I sure would like to know, is there a missing issue, a lost issue of this series? That's, I'm very intrigued by this, but I just thought I'd bring that in. I don't know that I'd ever mentioned that on the show before. I actually just learned it not long ago. uh, I could see it plausibly being that it maybe was supposed to be 107, but then they were like, we have to tie everything up. Mm-hmm. So they scrapped that and set it in the context of what 107 is. So it may never have gotten drawn or anything. But then again, it's got Cynthia Martin credited on it. So, yep. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. It probably is not sitting in one of Cynthia Martin or Joe Duffy's drawer. Joe Duffy might have a copy of the script for it or something or the right. truth for it, though. Right. I think that's very interesting. Intriguing. If I don't hear something soon from either one of them, I, I'll, I'll see if I can chase it farther. Maybe I can get a hold of somebody at, uh, at Marvel in charge of the inventory drawer or something, you know, that might know something about it. I don't know. Or, and you know, if they won't do it, we'll file a Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> well, you know, another, uh, another good place to, to write to might be uh, uh, Back Issue Magazine. They're always intrigued with stuff mm. like that. So uh, somebody somewhere has got to know something, I would imagine. So granted, it's been, what, 27 years? But still, you would think somebody would know something. But anyway... I guess that's my cue. <laughs> Since I am Mr. Synopsis for the I'm like the like the executioner, I feel like. <laughs> this is a kind of short synopsis. This is a this is an odd odd last episode, I'm just gonna warn you. I didn't look it up, but the cover for all intents and purposes looks like it, uh, it's definitely Cynthia Martin and it looks like it's the same inker from inside who's Wils Porti- Portacio? Wils Portacio that was the guy Wils I was uh, yeah, that's the guy I was alluding to earlier if memory serves was one of the founding members of Image Comics um, uh-huh. so he was one of the, the big hot guys in the 90s you know the, the, the hot shit artists you know young bucks that went off to form Image Comics and uh, this is one of his, I had long believed or had long heard his first work. Um, I have since learned it's among his first. It's not his very first project, but it is one of his earliest projects in comics. If memory serves again on the cover, if you'd notice right there on R2's uh, right foot, or actually it would be his left, I guess, if he was, you know, if we were 
from his... Anyway, it says Cindy and Joe right down there at the bottom. I think Joe in this instance is Joe Rubenstein, I think. Oh, okay. But I'm not 100%. I didn't look it up either. But I think that's what it is. It's a weird weird cover because it's got a two-tone Star Wars on it, which is very strange. Oh, my God. I did not catch... Holy... That's a great catch, dude. I think that's the the only time they ever did that. I'm usually really good at that sort of thing. No, it says it looks weird. You never see Star Wars two-toned like that. And it's two weird, non-sort of Star Wars-y colors. So, well, maybe that orange is kind of Star Wars-y, but... Yeah, we're just 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 odd. Well, what uh, Chris means by two toned is that the word star is all you know. It's a Star Wars font, so you know you it's can picture like that a in burnt your mind. Orange eye. color. Yeah, it's burnt orange star, and then Wars is like Superman blue. You know, like yeah, baby sky blue. blue. Yeah. yeah. So uh, seventy-five cents, as we mentioned earlier, for this issue. Joe Duffy, the writer. Cynthia Martin pencils. Will's Portacio inks. Elaine Lee was the colorist and the Senti editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. This was from September 1986. Scott and I were already out of, graduated from high school. <laughs> and this one is called All Together Now. All Together Now. In this final issue, we find Rambo Luke Skywalker leading a mission <laughs> to the planet Saijo which I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but probably nobody knows how to pronounce it anyway, to uh, they're going to take a Toph stronghold. It's sort of like the Toph nerve center for their invasion force. So he leads a, in, an unlikely alliance, but I should have written an in, insanely unlikely alliance of Nagai rebels, former Imperial stormtroopers still in their stormtrooper outfits, Zeltrons, and just the uh, the whole motley crew of rebels mandalorians mandalorians are in there yeah and uh and since you got knife and den in there with han and donny there's there's definite tensions running high although we're going to get into that dynamic i'm sure in the conversation <laughs> after this um so they're leading an assault after getting intelligence from a mysterious secret source on the planet and somehow, Luke manages to keep this unlikely group together and from each other's throats. And they uh, they infiltrate the Toph Palace while sort of Jedi-style Lando and Nainim lead the uh, assault on the basically the Toph mothership. And things go well at first. And uh, Luke has the uh, Toph King in the old Dooku neck configuration. When uh, Luke, who shows up, well, who's there to throw a monkey wrench in, but Lumaya, she's going to help the Toffs because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. She gets in a little cat fight with Leia, and she's about to shoot Leia with her own blaster when a mysterious Toff behind her just blasts her in the back, apparently killing her, since we don't hear anything else from her in the rest of the episode. So, WTF, turns out, it's not actually a Toph, but he rips his makeup off, and who is it? But their mysterious informant, who happens to be the half-Nagai Karelian traitor, Bay, Han's old buddy. But he's a good guy again! And so the Toph King surrenders, and everyone stands around, 
anticipating galactic peace. And uh, I sort of simplified it because I could have gone into more detail, but I sort of wanted to leave that into the after conversation of this very muddled, yes, awkward comic. Yes. The art's good. I, I like uh, this inker with Cynthia Martin for sure. But the thing is, there's not a lot to go on to, for the art to do. You know what I mean? It's it's nice, right. but it's not very dynamic because it's a lot of people hashing out personal differences and just a lot of exposition to give a reason for all of these people to be together in the same comic and all these people who are now friends, you know. I mean, Den and Donnie should... Den, Den basically should have a, a... What do you call it when you can't go within 50... A restraining... He should restraining have a space, or, yeah. space restraining order on him <laughs> against Donnie. They shouldn't be fighting. And, you know, couldn't they put him in two different assault groups? Do they have to be together? And he's still trying to pick up on her, you know. He's still obsessed with her. And she's doing this weird nihilistic thing where she's just like, ah, I don't really feel any more. But this guy basically molested her and kidnapped her and abused her and tortured her. And killed her boyfriend. And killed her boyfriend. And he's still like, hey, come on, can't we start, you know, hey, come on, we can just wipe the slate clean and start over again. No, it's just not. And... And, and you know, there's people discussing their relationship going, yeah, you know, it's too bad. They'll never be able to love each other or anything. It's just like, no, <laughs> you know, really, you know, Den should be facing some sort of tribunal. Right. You know, I mean, it's kind of sketchy to have a torturer and a knife, you know, knife is a sadist is a sadistic bastard, you know. And is responsible for just cold-bloodedly killing a lot of people, you know. And it just—it it only makes sense in the context of it's the last issue. Mm-hmm. We have to get it all together and and have it end, not end. So basically, what's ending is the threat of the Toffs coming in and taking over the galaxy. And then it's like, well, hopefully we'll keep it together after this and look towards the future. It leaves it open for stories, but it's a lot of standing around and talking. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got my notes in uh, in a sequential order, but I basically am going to touch on everything you just said because I agree strongly with with every point that you made. I thought it was very interesting. I don't know that I ever really noticed this before, but it was pointed out that uh, on that cover, you've got um, in the you know right in the kneeling in the front, you've got Luke, which I actually like his outfit. It's not the outfit he's wearing in the issue, but you got Luke with uh, his arm around R two D two, and then standing in the background, you've got C three PO. You've got Chewie hugging or actually holding, cradling, I guess, he's, Lando. He's lovingly cradling him, and <laughs> Lando's having a cigar, like just a, <laughs> and in a purple and in a purple prince shirt, I might add, yep. with a ruffle. You got uh, Han and Leia, and I swear I had a girlfriend that used to have this exact dress that Leia's wearing here. 
Nice. At her feet, you've got uh, hoo-jibs. And then creeping... No, yeah, they're not. And creeping in the background is one of the Hiromi, who is also Barbin not in the story. story. Either, yes. Yeah. So it's very strange. It's like a. It's like the cover the off of it. The get mentioned, but I don't think the Hiromi get mentioned at all. No, don't get. Don't. I don't think they get mentioned. They're definitely not seen uh, in the story itself. Just as well. <laughs> uh, that opening splash page. When did aliens come out? <laughs> Because this definitely reminds me of Aliens, right down to the weapon that he's... This is Luke. Here, Here's a mental image for you, folks. It's shirtless Luke. He's super buff. He's got his Luke the Barbarian hair back again. He has a Rambo headband on. And the weapon that he's holding basically looks like the M, what you call it, from Aliens that... Not Reese. What was his name? Hicks instructs uh what's her name how to sigourney weaver how to use it looks like that weapon and some it's just yeah i look at this as soon as i saw this page i was like wow somebody's been watching aliens but i'm not i know it came out in 86 but i'm not sure exactly when or at least i think it came out in 86 if it didn't it's a pretty remarkable coincidence because he sure as hell looks like somebody from aliens yeah i think i think cynthia martin was drawing her her it was her final chance to do her ultimate cheesecake Luke or whatever. Mm-hmm. And here it is. It's like, Luke's not going to wear a shirt. It's the last issue. Luke's not wearing a shirt. Throughout. <laughs> if we could get away with it, Leia wouldn't have a shirt on either, but it ain't happening. Page two, panel three. I just love that particular image of knife. And he's holding his weapon. He's got a weapon in each hand and he's stalking up behind Luke. And it's a little moment of tension right at the beginning of the story before you realize that Luke and Dan are now actually on the same side fighting right. together. And this is our first clue that, wow, some some serious time has passed and things have happened between this issue and the last issue. So it doesn't ever tell us how much, but I imagine at least several months have progressed you know, between the two issues because a number of things have happened. You know, with with knife join, basically the Nagai have joined the rebellion, and uh, Den and uh, Donnie have found each other. Which, yes, very very strange. Going creepy. back to yeah, it, it is creepy. Going back to uh, page two for just a second. Does a sniper rifle seem like an honorable weapon for a Jedi Knight, or is that just me? I think it depends on the Jedi Knight because Jedi Jedi's don't seem very pra- they do seem very they do seem very pragmatic about killing people. They don't kill people like they don't always uh, like eye contact in a fair fight. Like when they we- wade into battle, they get they go in to get the job done. So I don't see a sniper rifle as being off limits. But I mean, Luke looks like he's been you know using the sniper rifle quite a bit. He seems quite comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was sort of by... After a while, like, I thought maybe Obi-Wan's, you know, disdain towards blasters might have been the Jedi in him, but it just might have been Obi-Wan's preference. That might have been Obi-Wan's thing. It's like, I don't like blasters. I think there, where there might have been other Jedis who were just like, I don't care, man, if it right. does the job, I'll use it. 
<laughs> so. Yeah, and I mean, but the thing is, a lightsaber is no good for Luke for long distance battle. You know, it's only a mano a mano type thing. So, very true. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty practical for what they're doing in in this. But here's where the standing and talking starts. Right about at this oh, point. Oh yes, there is way too much of it because not only I mean, some of it was needed to kind of bring you up to speed. But then they they just they really overplay it. They go um, into the psychodrama of it. It's almost weird psychodrama, oh soap opera almost at points. It's mm-hmm. very strange. It's very strange and stilted. Page three, I think Leia looks more like Mon Mothma on that page than she looks like Leia, especially that mm-hmm. very last panel. What the hell is up with drunken R two D two in the next to last <laughs> panel? Yeah. He's literally like toppling off that cliff. Well, it looks like it looks like dress up party in there. R two D two's drunk and like Fen Shisa's in his Boba Fett um, pajamas because it doesn't <laughs> look roost. like armor. It's yeah, it's 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 so you know it doesn't make you know when you have that armor on, it makes you bulky. And he looks like a skinny guy. You know, he must be like skeleton man inside of that that armor there. <laughs> It does. So it looks, it's a little weird. He looks like he's uh, he's modeling his. Uh, it almost <laughs> looks like a woman. I got to be honest with you. It looks like a very female pose, like modeling, you know, the latest Fen yes. Shisa t-shirt and and sweatpants or something. Yeah, it is awkward. But the big the big note for page three is uh, Dan and Donnie. Uh, I mean, they went there. I'm. Yeah. I. Full confession. When I started to take this book out, I realized I very likely have never read this issue again since the very first time I read it. If I have, it's definitely been a very long time, and I didn't remember several things that happen in here because that was a big one, Den and Donnie coming together, and also uh, with uh, Lumia or Lamaya, I didn't realize that she got shot and like you said apparently died now of course if you go to wikipedia and look her up she's got you know a vast history beyond this so i mean she was pulled right into the eu she survived she became part of the uh oh what was the name of that fate of the jedi or something one of the one of those big epic five thousand novel long things that they've done with luke's kids and all that so I know she played a big part in that. But going strictly by what you see here, yeah, it sure does look like she died. And they not just, in a it, very epic or grandiose way. It was just eh, no, shot in the back. She did. No, it was. it's one of those things where they're like, let's tie this up, mm-hmm. you know. And it would be neat to have her back, but she doesn't really do anything. She basically pulls Leia's um, gun away from her <laughs> using the Force and says something about how she's advanced in the force and then gets shot dead because she failed to notice through the force the threat behind her. I really like that with her having force abilities and everything. Am I wrong in thinking that came out of left field? Because she didn't seem to exhibit any force powers in her prior appearances. No, I got the impression that she'd, she'd that was something she's... In between, she's built her powers, you know. She is 
Right. Maybe she's gotten more pissed and so she's stronger in the dark side or whatever, but she had, yeah, she had refined her powers and was even, you know, basically she was saying she was even more badass and then she, she pulled a Boba Fett, you know? Right. Here, here I come just to die. The issue does have its moments, though. This was a part I thought was fantastic. On page four, third panel, you've got Han and Leia ducked down behind some debris as they're watching. Basically, everybody's in hiding as they watch. They're, they're observing the Toph stronghold. And we get all this dialogue basically bringing you up to speed on everybody and what's been going on in their lives in however much time has passed between issues. And Leia and Han are talking about Den and Donnie. And Han says, doesn't sound like there's much hope for their romance, does it? Why doesn't he just give up? And she says, in the beginning, I wasn't exactly encouraging to you, Han, and you never gave up. To which he replies, that was different, Leia. I knew no woman in her right mind could resist me for long. That's a Han Solo line. (laughs) I like that. That's actually very... Because that's something Han Solo would say. And at the same time, what I would have said was, well, yes, but I didn't torture you and then (laughs) rape stalk you afterwards. You know, we don't know that. It could be an untold tale. That's true. That's true. Maybe that's sitting in a dust drawer somewhere at Marvel, but probably for the best. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, their quote-unquote romance is just a no-go. It's like the romance between that girl in the pit in Silence of the Lamb who was putting the <laughs> lotion on her skin or she got the hose again. Yeah, yeah they, they wound up together at the end of the movie. That's what I heard. I heard she forgave him. They both, he found Jesus, she forgave him. And They live they in a trailer kids. park in Alabama now. They got like seven, eight kids. That's what I heard, yeah. and He works at the Walmart as a greeter. And all the kids have nice warm jackets made out of their neighbors. <laughs> she works at the Waffle House part-time. <laughs> the Waffle House. The Waffle House. Um, okay, this is the big thing. And I know, forgive me, I know I mentioned this last issue, but it bears reiterating, I feel. Seriously, these tough assholes, they're the new galactic scale threat to the galaxy. There, it looks like there's six of them. You, you know? know what they look like they should be doing? Yo, yo, <laughs> yo, go. They look like they ought to be peddling tribbles. That's what they look like. I... <laughs> yes. My fine, sir. I mean, really? Well, they do not live up to their badass reputation oh at my... all. It just this. hit me. What You know what they are? <laughs> They're the Ferengi of Star Wars. Yes. It just hit me. That's what they are. They show up at the beginning and go, look at us, we're badasses, and then they turn out to be jokes every time after that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what page is this. Is this five? Did you, just, did you see the one with the rapper Nine Numb? He looks like he's right out of Run DMC. It's the page just opposite of the Toph pirate ship. And, um, Let me see. Let me see. I'm flipping pages here. I must say these are nice, pristine white pages too. This is. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> Rapper Nine Numb. He's standing there with a green Chewbacca going gronk, gronk. Awesome. I love the coloring in this flashback sequence. By the way, it's very odd color choices, but it really works. 
It almost looks like one of those. Remember those things they used to have? It, it, it would kind of look like a. They were shaped like a Viewmaster reel, and each little hole was a different color, and it would go in front of a light and slowly rotate and change yes. the color of your room to whatever yes. the color was on the slide. It looks like Admiral Akbar has one of those things going while he's giving this briefing because every. Like my lava lamp. <laughs> I've got a black light in the other room if you want to see it. <laughs> Oh, by the way, dude, you are busted. Have a seat in my beanbag. The <laughs> the picture that you had for last episode, I didn't I realize it. So now it's actually out of this issue. That's pretty I cool. I was hoping nobody would notice. <laughs> I found it. Unless they unless they unless they did a pulled a Star Trek and recycled the same <laughs> same uh, tough picture. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I just I, when I realized it, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's the picture Chris used. I thought I just thought that was neat. Just happened to catch it. Let's see. Page 11 is the one where at the top panel you got uh, uh, Den looking like he's seriously like starving or so. He got his bones sticking out of his ribs right there. But that next panel I really like. He They just make a brief mention of these two characters. We get nothing out of them other than their look and we get their names. So the one guy basically has like a blue Mandalorian outfit with like purple highlights, like his boots and his gauntlets and his cod piece and everything are all purple. And then a woman that's with him that kind of looks like a cross between like a Mandalorian and Jolly from way back in the Crimson Jack store. Uh And their names are Triff and Maggie. And that's it. That's all we get. But it's just enough to like wet my appetite. I would have liked to have learned more about these guys. They're very Flash Gordon um buck rogers you looking very yeah very much so and she's got a big ass gun strapped to her back so it gives the yeah. impression she's got, like got a backstory she's you know she's a badass she's a badass yeah but on that same page after we've gotten up to this point well now we've had 11 very exposition heavy pages up to this point the last panel on that is Barbarian Luke looking very, very sad, just saying, all of you, please drop it until we can complete the job. And I'm thinking, yes, please. Jesus, there's a war on, and they're all bickering and backstabbing and backbiting, and it's like, can we table this until we get the job done? It's, uh, I I think Luke saying that just points it out that much more, you know what I mean? Uh, Oh, yeah. Page 12, panel 3, I don't know what to think of that. That looks like a Bill Sankevic Chewbacca. And something's wrong with Nine Numb because he doesn't even come up to Chewie's thigh. Yeah. So something's really wonky with the with the perspective in that particular page. Yeah, he's really tiny. I mean, he's not a big character, but he's he's like smaller than an Ewok. In yeah. This. yeah, he is. He's teeny tiny. Page 14, that second panel with the uh, Toph Prince. I don't know why, but that really reminds me of Pink Floyd the Wall for some reason. Oh, he good like evening, the... Worm, Your Honor. Yeah, he does. He, yeah, exactly. I the, the page before that, Lumaya from behind reminds me of a Frank Miller style, you know, where it's just black with a few white lines in it. To... Mm-hmm. It's really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, when when you see it, it's just like, oh, cool, Lamaya's back, and she's kind of stylish. So you think you're going to get some of that, but not so as much we, as we see. No. <laughs> Page uh, fifteen, that second panel, you've got again Barbarian Luke Skywalker, but he's got his lightsaber out. There's just something about his pose right there that looks really cool. Like he's ready to, you know, just, just charge in and just hack people to pieces but then hans next to him running straight at us the reader with his blaster drawn pointed straight at us and I, there's something about that that's a great looking panel yeah it's yeah. nice it's sort of tilted in an angle too so yeah. it's, it's very very um kinetic great panel that's a really good one right there i like that Luke does hack that guy right in half in that one panel too that's pretty cool I'm cynthia martin 16. loves drawing big flowing outfits and dresses and does it very well the last panel on that page with leia and donnie you know busting out their guns and out of their in their basically queen amidala outfits yeah yeah uh, very much so it reminds me a lot of episode one actually that one panel this uh this whole uh set here this whole palace thing much like the last issue, the planet that they were on last issue, which I don't think was the same planet, reminds me a lot of Feed from uh, mm-hmm. from Episode 1 quite a bit. Get a little bit of down blouse there with Leia on page 17. On page 19 there, where Luke has the prince at his mercy, he's got both of his lightsabers right at the guy's neck crisscross and this is like shades of dooku's execution Mm -hmm. in uh in Mm -hmm. uh what was that revenge of the sith right Mm -hmm. that's really nice i Uh, love it and and that's yeah and and yeah they 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 anticipated the whole that that's what you would do if you had two lightsabers Mm -hmm. except right there they don't look so much like lightsabers as they look like those things that the guys at the at the airport use to like you know bring in the bring <laughs> yes. in the planes you know yes. wave in the planes but that next panel of han completely offhandedly just shooting that guy he's not even looking in the same direction he's he's, he's not even thinking about it either he's having a whole like conversation with himself in his head and just like Taking him out. That's Again, Toffs are supposed to be the biggest badasses to come down the pike. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Page 20 was the was the giant moment in this. I was like, oh my god, I totally have like no memory anymore because I do not remember Lumaya dying. I totally don't remember this. But yeah, it I mean she's shot right in the back and i mean it, it looks like she's out of it i mean she's got it looks like it takes chunks the, torn out yeah you can see a, a a line in her side where it looks like pretty much it went through her spine <laughs> yeah so but who knows it's obviously just uh checking off and you know tying up another thread but it is a nice, I like the panel of her getting shot. It's the only time you sort of see her face, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't see her other than just sort of a mushroom-shaped figure in a flowing cloak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her final words are, Yay! <laughs> 
but I like that sort of it's very stylized. It reminds me of manga art and well, with one because it's sort of black and white with like red like the Japanese flag behind right, it. Right, yeah. And then those I don't know if they're supposed to be flames or smoke. They look like smoke, but they're red like flames in front of her. Very stylized, almost like something you'd see on a, a hot rod car or something. Right. Yeah. So but it's a neat panel. It's obviously you know, she took that was one of the panels she really wanted to look really good. You know, there's some time and care had been spent on it. The coloring's much better in this this issue yes. than recently up to this point too. It looks yes, nice. it's it's still the same style of like solid colors, but it's used to the colors that they use are used to much better effect. Once again, though, remember what what two colors were the tops last time? Once they started out green. They became a, a very, very, very light green to the point where they were pretty much like a sickly yellow at one They're point. They're like yellow in this one by this point, yeah. So See, When I read this issue for review purposes, or reread rather, I read it on my iPad from a CBR. Now I actually have the paper issue in front of me looking at it. And I can tell you that the colorings are completely different. So I don't know where that CBR comes from. The CBR may be from one of the reprints or something, mm-hmm. but the coloring is much different in the actual physical issue. They are green. They're like Kermit the Frog green. Uh. And there's actually that last panel of page 21 where Bay stands revealed. I don't remember the CBR showing his face as being two-tone. But in the issue, his face is all green except for a stripe across the middle where he has used that handkerchief he's holding to wipe green makeup off of his There's face. Green make in the in the I've got the CBR, and uh, yeah, his face is sort of yellow, and you can see where he wiped it off, but it doesn't look like that. It looks like it's just like the shadowing of his face, so you don't get right. the impression that he's wiping makeup off at all. Now, earlier in the issue, in Luke's flashback to the beginning of the mission and the mission briefing, Admiral Akbar alluded to the fact that they were receiving all of their information from this, like, super-secret, best-of-the-best-of-the-best agent that they had. We don't even know who he is. Yeah, yeah. and it turns out it's Bay. Bay! Really? And, And they're all just like, hey, Bay, you know... All right. Oh, you're good now. That's that's good because yeah. if I recall, they all wanted him. They wanted to kill him for betray. You know, he betrayed everybody. Yeah. I mean, not only does this guy suck, but he was a traitor the last time we saw him. So we never got his path to redemption. We ne- I, well, the, there's that's the thing is is everybody everybody sort of like wipes the slate clean here. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that need some redemption before that, you know, before, you know, okay, so if you want to win the war, you might have to have some alliances you don't like. But some of these people have done things that you that have caused lots of innocent deaths and stuff. Right. Or maliciously been murderers. So... Yeah, you know what you know what are you going to end up with is if this is what your new governing body of the galaxy are do you really want the Nagai who are like basically like the Klingons sort of 
they're kind of more like a a sleazy Klingons, you know. They're not as honor based. They're more just like knife to your throat. It doesn't make any sense, you know. All the all the just sort of like, yeah, you know, let's let bygones be bygones. It's it can't happen in a twenty some page comic, you know. It's I, I when I, I when I uh, started to read this for for the show that I remembered, I'm like, oh my god, that's right. This isn't even a double sized issue, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they only had one issue to tie it all up, and really they didn't have to. But I guess they wanted to tie up all the stuff really that they'd invented in the last in like Joe Duffy's run, especially. See, I'm going to disagree with you that, that they didn't have to. I think that they do. I think whenever you have a final issue, especially if you're going to tout it right on the cover, last issue. And granted, they didn't go out of their way to like really call attention to it, but it was solicited a few places, especially like last issue, you know, the issue before this, it was mentioned in the body. Well, you know, hey, by the way, the last issue is the last mm-hmm. issue, or next issue is the last issue. So there is a little bit of a buildup, not to mention the fact, a- as a final issue, I can't help but be let down by this because it's not a grand finale. It, it's more of like quietly sneaking out the side door when nobody's paying attention, you know? Yeah. And, and looking back on it now, and, and maybe this is because I'm fresh off of just reading uh, Marvel Comics, The Untold Story by Sean Howe, which is a, I mean, a great, great book, by the way. I really recommend it. You know, maybe that looking back on it now, maybe it's kind of strangely appropriate somehow that, you know, that, that this, you know, this title that's been referred to by some people, I, I, I'm pretty sure Jim Shooter was one of them, as literally like the book that saved Marvel Comics. You know, it, it just it there's no big bang. It just passes away relatively unnoticed and that, i think that's a, a real shame in a palace basically yeah. and i mean this book if they had if they'd waited one more year this book would have run 10 years so you've got a number of factors that i think scream for a, a, a double-sized big bang you know hell of a way to go out finale because, for one, come on, it's got Star Wars on the cover. Again, book that saved Marvel, and it ran almost 10 years. I think those three factors put together, it deserved better than this. Not to mention the fact, as you and I have you know, mentioned several times recently, Duffy and Martin were really starting to turn this thing around. Now... I wouldn't say that the last two issues have really been great evidence of that. I think the art took a serious step down. I think the stories took a serious step down in the last couple of issues. But up until, say, Ty, the book was starting to upswing. It was kind of on a, you know, it, it felt like, all right, they're, they're, they're finally hitting their stride. Yeah. yeah. And to end this way, to end on this whimper, just... It's so sad, and I, I think that's l- the largest reason that... Well, here's the thing. They couldn't have killed any of the main characters, but they had some pretty, like, ugly characters. They could have had Knife or Bay or Den sacrifice themselves in some heroic act or something, 
You know, I mean, everybody, everybody who's a good guy or quote unquote good guy comes out okay in this. You know, there isn't any real danger for anybody. You know, it's just mm -hmm. a sort of tying up. And I mean, if it was the final episode, there's a lot of auxiliary characters that you can have go out. You know, or um, Lumaya goes out and just like Boba Fett style, just yeah, a a, a shot takes her out, and that's that. Mm -hmm comes out waves her hands around a little bit and then she's done and they could have they could have slimmed it right down and and had it been this hard fought battle where they lost a bunch of people to take down the toss and at the end you know the nagai have, have sort of redeemed themselves through knife and den's sacrifice or something like that and and if you notice the last panel they have, you know, Han and Leia are together and stuff, and you got Luke in the front. Right in the back, you got Donnie and Den standing next to each other. Like, they're hooked. It's just weird. Mm -hmm. It's very anticlimactic. They remind me of somebody that I, I can't quite remember who it was, but they they said something earlier in the issue that kind of vaguely jogs a memory. Something about the fact that they don't love each other, at least she doesn't love him, but they're both damaged. They're both now outcasts of their people because Den betrayed his people to save Donnie's life, and now Donnie feels like because she's no longer happy-go-lucky, horny, want-to-screw-everybody Donnie, now she's like serious Donnie, yeah. that she's an outcast from Zeltro's, so because they have nowhere else to go and they have no one but each other, that that's why they stay They're together. Sort of stuck with each other. That's horrifyingly gross. <laughs> but it reminds me of something I've heard. I want to say it was a movie, like one of those like grungy, maybe it was like a, one of those like violent Bonnie and Clyde type of movies or something where that was the deal is like they didn't necessarily love each other. But they had nowhere else to go, so they stayed together. Kind and I, I have no idea what the hell movie I'm thinking of, but I'm sure I've heard this before. You know, like like maybe this was an intentional callback to that. Maybe if it is, it's awkward and creepy. <laughs> it's just all it's just all around creepy, yeah. Stockholm syndrome -y sort of thing. And the I'm, way everybody else is just sort of like, ah, well, poor kids will never be able to get together. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering, was I subconsciously calling back to this when I speculated that I thought that they might wind up together, or did it just seem like no. kind of predictable? Like that that like that's where it was headed, you know what I mean? I mean back when we were when we were reading this when it first came out, we probably just didn't really even think about any of that because it was just probably something we weren't really too you know we were probably more concerned with luke and han and and leia all that but now yeah definitely bay should be locked up somewhere <laughs> and donnie should be in therapy <laughs> donnie should get some meds <laughs> that's pretty much i all i got on this when you know uh even the letters page is kind of sad because most of the letters were were very generic there's one that kind of sort of seems like maybe it was handpicked because it kind of sort of you know says you know hey great job i've really enjoyed the whole run but in the end it still 
comes down to asking questions. You know, when are we going to see this? When are we going to see that? And uh, never. Yeah, never now. And then the finale backs again just feels like a, a last gasp on the retreat, basically. Just, you know, a, a very cursory thanks and thanking a hell of a lot of people whose names I don't know, which normally is nothing to bat your eyes at, but this is Star Wars and Marvel. I should right. know these people. <laughs> I have no idea who most of the people mentioned here are. It's very, very strange. And that's about it. You know, we, we get uh, a panel of the, the Zeltron boy band, you know, yelling, yay, which is from one of the, I think it was 105. And I think they stuck Luke with his lightsaber in there. Yeah. It's for effect. Yeah, came in with a bang and went out with a whimper, for sure. Absolute whimper, yeah, it really did. It's very sad. But, you know, for all of that, and again, I I do think that this is totally what contributed to me not having read this issue again since since it was new on the stands, you know, since I picked it up. I'm I'm almost positive this is my first read in all that time. You know, that said, as disappointing as it is and as sad as it is, to me, this and not Return of the Jedi is what really marks the end of the, uh, of the era. You know, because the, the true conclusion of, of the original Star Wars saga is this. You know, because you've got to remember that when, when this series ended, the Star Wars universe in total consisted basically of it was the three films it was a few TV specials you had the newspaper strips really just a handful of novels you had Splinter you had the three Han Solo books the three Lando books I think that was it you had some yeah, video games. Yeah, I think games. that's about all it was outside of video games yeah. yeah you had video games and then this the nearly, stuff that was in the omnibus. Yeah, you know this this nearly ten year run of, of comics. That was it. That was all of Star Wars. So back then, it was much much easier to feel kind of cocky, like I think I did, that you could know it all because you could own it all. You know it, that was conceivable back then, and so the saga had a pretty more or less definitive beginning middle and end and to me this was that end not return of the jedi but this when when this ended star wars was kind of neatly all wrapped up in a a nice little bow a nice little package and in a lot of ways i think that's why i've largely resisted the eu all these years you know what i mean because it 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 ended so much to get into too yeah and by the time it picked up again even though it was only what about five years later, really, when the when the first yeah. novel started to come out? That five years, and again, maybe it's just one of those life journey kind of things, but that five years made all the difference. Because you and I went from high school kids to working adults, you know, with things going on in our lives. You went and, into the Army and I went into college, and both of those kept us pretty I've busy I've never been years. in the Army. Well, the Air Force. The, you went into the, the military. <laughs> military, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, and that pretty much. I mean, but that in college, pretty much. Like in college, I didn't own a TV, and I think I went to a comic shop twice. Like when when I was in, when I was going to school, I made it into the village gate twice, because someone was like, "Hey, I know where there's a comic shop," 
and uh, I wasn't keeping up on anything. That's why I've seen so little of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Outside of those first two seasons, which I mostly caught in reruns. I'll tell you something, Chris. If you Forgive me getting a little maudlin here. I can't believe it's been five years, dude. I know. I mean, it's a, it's a couple months shy, but only a couple months. I mean, well, and honestly, we were probably sitting August, down around this time. Yeah, we, we released the first episode in August. We were probably sitting down around this time starting to hammer out those first issues. And granted, we didn't have Star Wars Monthly Monday on the docket as, as an actual like show devoted to that subject. But we had discussed, hey, what are, what are some of the things we want to do? Marvel Star Wars was like first on that list. Marvel for- Star, I mean, that was almost really the reason that two true freaks are here today. Mm-hmm. To me, it was, yeah. Thing, the one thing that the two of us knew that we could do like, not definitive, but something that both of us could really talk about was was this, and that was something that we figured had not gotten its due. So yeah, basically all those podcasts sort of sprung up around this, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought I would actually be more take, you know, I don't know, choked up or something about it actually feels, I, I'm actually... Uh, I have more of a sense of like, wow, this has been this has been awesome. You know, I'm actually more proud than sad, if you know what I mean. I, I'm I'm really proud of the body of work that we've done. We never would have. Remember at the beginning, we were like, yeah, we'll just start working on them. We probably will never finish it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we totally and thought here we, we are. Pretty soon, we're gonna have to figure out what we're gonna do next. So I'm. I'm. I mean, yeah, I'm sad that these are over. But the thing is, is there's just so much of us to so much to keep it going to keep reading and I'm I'm looking forward to it in, in the way that there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'm reading that I've never read before you know we'll eventually get into stuff you know like the new Dark Horse Star Wars mm-hmm. title is brand new That's so exciting. we'll be talking about it as it's fresh that's so exciting be because too. I, I'm looking forward to, to both things I haven't read personally. I'm also looking forward to introducing you into the, some of the stuff I have read and I'm excited for both your take on it, but Me also too. excited to reread it. Like say like just a great example, like star Wars empire. I hold that in incredibly mm-hmm. high regard. I have no idea when we'll get to it, but when we get to it, I'm so like looking in, forward to the infinities books. I'm oh yes. Here and what you have to think about those. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely fun and exciting times to come. So I I didn't want to be overly maudlin about this anyway, but I thought I would I would take it a little bit harder and maybe that'll come later. But uh, at the moment I I just I'm beaming with pride, man. I think we've done a hell of a good job with this. If that doesn't sound too much like tooting our own horn, but I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning. You guys are getting a, a, a mega sized episode, by the way, because we still have uh, one more section of the show to cover before our uh, grand finale with the symphony and the stars. So. Let's take a little break, and we are going to come back with listener feedback and a look back at the series. Holy nightmare. So we all know who Robin is, right? Short pants, bad, holy insert object gear jokes, kind of weird relationship with an older man who dresses like a bat. I know, right? So not what Batman needs thing is, if that's your impression of Robin, then you don't know Robin. 
I'm Tom Panneries, and for most of my comic collecting career, I've been a Teen Titans fan. Moreover, I've been a huge fan of Robin and Nightwing, so I've decided to take a look at those who have worn the costume in a podcast miniseries called Taking Flight. Taking Flight focuses on the life and career of Dick Grayson as he evolved from Boy Wonder to Nightwing. I'll take a look at his origin story, his time with the Teen Titans, and his evolution into Nightwing. Along the way, I'll also look at Jason Todd and Tim Drake, stopping right after Zero Hour when Dick left the Titans behind. Episodes will come out just about every week at takingflight.podomatic.com, and you can find show notes at popcultureaffidavit.com. Join me as I take a look at Comic Dumb's most famous sidekick, who is a vital part of Batman's mythos. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Gentlemen, you're up. (laughs) Comics Monthly Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.com. All right, welcome back to the third part of Star Wars Monthly Monday number 51. 52. The retrospective thingy part of it. <laughs> 52. With li- listener listener questions and input. 52. And, of course, us looking back. A fond look back. <laughs> All right, yes, this is episode 52, by the way. Um, oh. Yes, well, I... When I was trying to put this all together in my head and trying to figure out what were we wanting to do for this, I knew that we were going to want to do some sort of retrospective, some sort of you know fond look back at uh, at everything. But I wasn't sure how we would do that, and I hit upon the idea of why not make the listeners do the work? I always like that best. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. So we asked you guys to write in and solicit questions, you know, submit questions rather for ideas of basically a top three nature you know what we're you know asking us you know like what were your top three favorite blah 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 and that way we would kind of cover the retrospective that way and man you guys really stepped up to the plate we got a ton of feedback we got the most feedback i think we've gotten in quite a while on one single topic so this was really cool the very first one to come in by uh, by quite a margin he beat everybody else by a couple of weeks was our good uh, friend Scott Rifun, uh, who you can hear on the uh, Dinner for Geeks podcast, by the way. Excellent show. You really need to be listening to it. 
on our feed by the way it is freaks podcast now just join the feed yes and welcome welcome and uh he kept his short and sweet which i really like just uh very much to the point here he says top three lists for the final marvel star wars podcast he says these all carry the stipulation that they first appeared in a marvel star wars comic uh top three imperial officers uh top three villains top three multi-part stories top three new planets top three covers and top three droid centric stories so i'll give you the honor sir you go ahead and and tackle those first so we've got uh top three imperial officers i've got well everybody remembers officer friendly he was a he was a good one um oh oh major pain in the ass remember him i think he was issue 72 and general disorder well i mean come on what kind of co- three imperial officers man i'd have to read through all the comics to remember oh i can see how names. this is gonna go already well one of us actually did some homework and cracked some back issues so uh here's what i got I tried to keep these short and sweet because I didn't want to have to do a whole lot of homework, but this one I had to dig for. So there was one guy, he got busted down to a lieutenant. I want to say he started as an admiral, maybe a general, I can't remember. His last name was Guile. And he held the distinction of being like, really like the only Imperial officer that I think we covered, you know, that we followed for more than a couple of issues. He was one, I'm pretty sure he was a uh, Michelini creation. Mm-hmm. And we followed him through a couple of issues, and then all of a sudden he just disappeared in one of the issues. I, I don't think he got killed, but maybe I'm wrong. But him I liked. He was act- he actually had a personality. It seemed like you know he was building towards something. There was a dude, uh, Colonel Nord, who was a very, very minor character, and he was in issue 52. And the reason I like this guy, he's the guy that pushed the button that... Uh, in an attempt to kill Darth Vader, he blew out an airlock. If you remember that story, it was... Oh, uh, that's right. And yeah. Vader just, like, step by step walked up the airlock. Yep. I love that. It's one of my favorite moments. I'll be talking more about that in a little bit. But that's the guy that actually put pushed the button. And Vader ends up using the Force to talk to him to say, I will deal with you, you know, personally later or something to that effect. And you just see the guy, like holding his neck and like sweating Boy. and going, oh, you know, he knows he's a dead man. I love that. Last one, Captain Treese, who again, you're probably like, huh? He's the guy that kicked Lando off of Cloud City, which is one of the best. Well, I'll get to that moment later too, but a uh, great moment. Great. Aye. He literally knocks Lando off of Cloud City, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. Yeah, I remember him. He was a prick. <laughs> Uh, all right, so top three villains. Well, I you know, I I thought about whether I would include Darth Vader, and I ended up doing Darth Vader just for that one when he returns. Yes. But I thought of limiting it just to villains from Marvel Comics, but I had to put Darth Vader in because he's an actual villain in presence through a lot of these. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really good. Of course, Lumaya. And, uh, and we probably have the same list, because number three is Valance the Cyborg Hunter. Who is... Now, 
do you have yours in a particular order or you're just listing three i just listed i didn't uh, all of my top threes are just i didn't you know put them in any rank for the most part although so when i do have preferences i'll uh okay i'll definitely uh um i think out of those three you know out of all the villains introduced in the comics lumaya is the best mm-hmm. um just because she's badass you know valance was badass too but he was only really in a limited number of comics you know right before he before he bit it so but so it was it, it's it's only a slim lead but lumaya's also probably one of the best characters to come out of absolutely of she has a whole backstory and stuff that was that we were along with from the beginning you know from or at least from the beginning when she joined up with the alliance and absolutely. they took their time to develop it too she was just sort of an ancillary character for a while and uh and then she was so she was there from geez what was that probably like 90 or something in the high 80s or something when she end. when she came back as lumaya you no know, when she started when shira bride oh that was uh in the 70s or 60s no i think her first 70s. appearance was in cliff wasn't it or, or shortly yeah, thereafter, yeah, somewhere, somewhere in that there. area. So, like, somewhere between like fifty-five and sixty, something oh, like that. So she was pretty much. She's been popping up in almost half the whole run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, my three, real quick, uh, and I did rank them. Um, number three, I had Baron Tag. I always really uh, liked Baron yeah. Tag. I liked him a lot. The whole uh, Tag family were a bunch of yeah evil and i i could have put there there was actually one of the tag brothers was an imperial officer now that i think about it i could have put him on there too although he didn't really do much of anything Uh and the and the sister too Mm -hmm. um number two valance the cyborg love the guy love the guy one of my favorite star wars characters and uh number one no mystery lumaya love lumaya great character uh let's see next one top three multi-part stories Mm. you see i I have a feeling a lot of the people also wrote these because they knew what we were gonna say oh they may think they would yeah that's true that's true i've got the the whole water world story just because of um a lot of these sometimes i rank them not as much as like oh, I love that story, although I did love this story when it came out. But maybe of their like, for lack of a better term, historical importance in the run of the comics or whatever, being the first of something. I guess the, the, would you say the Valance the Cyborg Hunter thing is, ranks as a multi-part story? I would call that more of a of a saga of him. But character. yeah, I, I don't see why not. Sure. And uh, the whole the whole. Uh, it was probably three episodes, three issues, where Luke ends up shooting down Shira Bry. Luke uh, Skywalker Pariah storyline? That, yeah. that whole storyline. I really liked that. That's when, that was around the time where I thought, you know, the series was real. one of the points where it was firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. And that was a very, that, st- that was a very Star Wars-y sort of storyline. So those are my top three. Our uh, our selections are mirroring each other more closely than I I would have imagined because my top three and again I did rank them. Um, number three was Luke versus La, La Maya, 
and the introduction mm -hmm. of the Nagai, which basically took place between 95 through 97. Now, That's one of the ones I considered, too. I interpreted multi-part to mean anything that ran more than two issues. I really wish that someone or myself had remembered to think, oh, what about just two-part stories? Because a lot of stories with yeah. just two parts, there's some great two-parters. Like to take the Tarkins a two-part story, that's a great – that's one of the best ones in the entire series. I don't think it will be on any of these lists, though, because nobody asked that question, and I didn't think to include it myself. Anyway, number two, the hey, Waterworld Saga. Oh, good. Waterworld. I love that. That was, you know, one of the things that really sucked me in. That that basically ran from issue eleven to uh, issue fifteen, more or less. Great, great uh, story. Love that. And then number three, Shira Bree. Man, fifty-five. What I have here is fifty-five through sixty-three. So it basically runs from mm -hmm. Cliff to where um, she was revealed to have been an Imperial agent when Luke goes back to her home planet after he thinks he killed her. Well, actually he did kill her, but you know, he had a good reason it turned out. So that's mine. Uh, let's see next up top three new planets. Ah, Ibra. <laughs> planet of the, of curse of the who Drexel, which once again is the water world. Mm -hmm. And one, and, and I'm thinking that you and I might have both of those ones on there, but you might not have this one. Uh, Stenax. I and never liked Stenax. That's funny you put that one. I didn't like the Stenax stories as much as I liked the idea of Stenax being sort of like a... It was more of a Wild West style of tattooing, you know? Tattooing right. was like the the frontier and had a couple... But this was like, a, this was like the Coruscant of smugglers. Right. So it was always, you know, it was always a good place for intrigue to happen. So, yeah, I figured you wouldn't have that one on, on your list. It's funny you mention Arbra, because I started right. to put that one, and, I, and I'll tell you why I changed it here in just a second. But, it, again, in order, and I really had to work at this one, but in order, mine are uh, Golrath. That was the planet where the Rebels made a base inside of an active volcano. Oh, or actually, right. what, what it had been was there There was a, a pre-existing facility there. It was like a right. magma smelting facility, but it was actually inside a volcano, which I always thought was a really cool idea. I still think that's a cool idea. So I thought that was a really neat one. All right, so my number two, I put down Arbra, but something was tickling my brain saying, the story you're thinking of isn't on Arbra. And what I was thinking of was that there's an issue that the cliffhanger ending the picture on the page very much mirrors the scene that was later to come with return of the jedi where the rebels are captured in that clearing just outside the bunker door and there's that atst <laughs> standing there you know the issue i'm talking about <laughs> so i looked it up and that's not arbra it was mandalore and i forgot we went to mandalore in issues 68 and 69 because yep. that's where we met fen Shisa. so i put mandalore because i love that that storyline and uh number one i just called it the water planet because i'd forgotten they name they don't ever name the planet but they do name the system which was drexel so drexel the water planet love that nobody ever asked us for favorite rebel bases but just a quick mention I always thought the idea of, of that one issue where they were putting a rebel base in a sun, I thought that was a really cool idea. Remember they came up with like that triangle, oh, like right. that pyramid looking force field thing? 
and they were going to put a base or no it wasn't a base it was the fleet they were going to hide the fleet inside of a sun i always thought that was a cool idea top three covers we're actually going to come back to this a little bit later and you'll you'll understand why in a little bit top three droid centric stories droid world the obvious one but you like that one though yeah i did sort of and it's got that extra bit of resonance for me because it was made into a drama record right the story where c-3po cries Oh, what's the name of that? Shelly, Ellie, something like that? Ellie. Ellie, that's right, that's right. She's a, she was the sister of Wally. And uh, <laughs> and the one with the, where R2 and 3PO meet the lizard creature in the Inca Temple, which oh, is the, probably my fa- favorite droid-centric the story. The darker, oh my god, I can't believe it. The darker, yes. I forgot that one. You are absolutely right. I, I completely forgot about that issue i should have mentioned that one too because yeah that's actually a really good uh issue i have to pull up my covers here real quick so i'm, I'm actually vamping for a second because i need oh. to actually see the covers to know which uh he, these are the ones i've got these are actually i don't think i put these in any particular order maybe i did i can't remember number 47 droid world if i'd have remembered the darker story i'd have replaced it i actually don't like the droid world story very much i mean I it's okay I love the cover. Yeah, it's a gorgeous cover. I like the fact that it was made into one of the records, you know, the adaptations. But as a story, I always thought it was a little lame. But I do like the art inside for the most part. So that's why I put that one. Number 58, which is the story I was just talking about where they were going to put the fleet inside of a sun. R2 and 3PO play a very uh, crucial role in that story. And they're featured prominently on the cover, which I always thought was That's the one where they're spacewalking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which they also did in the um, in one of the comic strips, and I always liked that too. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of that story off the top of my head, but it was one of the issues I really liked. And lastly, number twenty-six. This was actually uh, again one of those multi-part stories. I think this was actually just a two-part story, but somewhere during the course of the story, either in issue twenty-five or twenty-six, R two gets shot, and as a kid. I was easily fooled into thinking, oh, this could be fatal. R2 could die. You know, so on the cover of 26 was that great cover yes. of Luke standing on the surface of, I don't know, a moon or something. And R2's got this, like, massive gaping. Gunshot wound yeah, to the side gunshot. of his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I always liked that because R2 was critical to that. You know, it was like, oh, is R2 going to live or not kind of thing. I really liked that. All right, so that brings us to our next email from our good buddy Andy Leyland of Hey Kids Comics. And he writes, he says, (laughs) Congratulations on reaching the end of the road. You asked for questions. I love the questions he's got here. Number one, what was the single most cinematic moment in all the Marvel series? Mm, I think we're going to have the same answer for this one. I'm saying the battle between Luke and Lumaya has got to be outside of, you know, Al Williamson copying frames from the, the movies. That's just very cinematic comic art anyway. That, that, that whole battle with no dialogue, no sidebar descriptions is, yeah, that's the one for me. 
I'm I'm sort of betting. It. I almost was trying to find another one because I'm like, I think this is what Scott will probably pick no, too. I'm I'm glad you did that because I there's a couple of things I tried to do. I tried not to go with things that I thought that you would go with. I tried not to repeat myself too many times because there's we a might number be of these... double crossing ourselves though into the same stuff sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But there was there was several times where I was tempted to say the same stories or the same answer over and over again to multiple questions. So I tried to play it originally. Mm-hmm. But honestly, this actually was the very first thing that came to mind. So I tried to also go with instincts. You know, if it's the yeah, first thing yeah. I thought of, then I wrote it down. So I had what we just talked about a moment ago, the moment where Vader uses the force to resist being blown out of an airlock. Mm. That is a mm-hmm. gorgeous sequence it's um, um you could see what it would look like as a movie too yeah it's it uh, really cool <laughs> simonson walt simonson yeah and it's just beautiful because what happens is vader gets set up by some of his um you know some of the imperial officers they conspire to eliminate vader because he's been eliminating them so they conspire and they lure him to an airlock and then one of them uh the colonel nord guy depresses the airlock and uh blow you know he's trying to blow vader out into space and vader goes all the way to the lock and actually has to hold on from being blown out and then when he you know kind of gather you know gathers his strength and his fortitude uses the force to just walk right back in like it's no big deal and the way it is presented and the way it is drawn, I can visualize that mm-hmm. in a movie, and it's just freaking phenomenal. It's cool. it's yeah. a great, great moment. I really like that. But again, I'm right up there with you, too, about uh, Luke versus Lamaya, and uh, I think that's, what, 95 and 96? That's just gorgeous. I mean, it's just beautiful. I, I love that. So, yeah, either one of those could work. And uh, there was actually another moment I thought of, too, but I think I mentioned it a little bit later. So when we get to it, I'll, I'll throw it out there. All right, next is question on question two. He says, which art team do you feel were crap at likenesses but still managed to capture the feel of the characters? I'm going to – I'll bet you we have the same <laughs> I'm pretty answer. sure. Infantino Wyacek. Was it Wyacek who mostly worked with Infantino? Oh, you know what? Um, I, I'm gonna yeah. I, I would actually actually I would change to what you said because what I put was Infantino Austin. I'd forgotten that for a while there they alternated different inkers with Infantino, right. and yeah, I would I would agree only because I really like Wyatchek, and Wyatchek was the right. inker on the second half of the story we just talked about with Luke versus right. Lamaya. Right, and it's gorgeous. But right. during the time when he was paired with Infantino, mm. he was in his experimental phase, so a lot of those issues look a little eh. So, yeah, I would go with that. And that's not to dump on either one of them, but I, I suspect Andy asked this question the way he asked it because he thought we would probably say Infantino. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do. Yeah, I that's think, what I got the impression. Yeah. When I got this list, I didn't have a list of who asked it, and that would have definitely given me, because, you know, those (laughs) Brits are crafty. (laughs) All right, here's a really great question. Which Marvel issue most screamed, This is Star Wars! To you. I don't think we're going to agree on this one, because mine's scandalous, because it's sort of, 
it's sort of cheating, but I had to answer it honestly, and that's issue number six. The, I, I can't tell you how many issue number sixes I've gone through, but when I was a kid, that was the one I would read the most. It just, for some reason, it captured the end, you know. If you're going to go with that one, though, you have to give full disclosure on what that issue is. That's the, that issue six is the final issue of the movie adaptation of Star Wars. So it's basically the Battle of the Death Star. And uh, that's why I loved it, because it was just pretty much flat out. That's what it was, you know, it was them preparing for and then it was a comic version of the Death Star battle. And for some reason, to me, it brought that to life. Whereas a lot of the the five issues before it were kind of impressionistic more of the Mm -hmm. story. This one seemed to be more of a a straight-up graphic adaptation of what you saw on the screen. Right. And as a kid, I mean, I just read the hell out of... I had so... You know, I would have a... I would get another issue in number six because I would wear the cover off one and, you know, the pages would be falling out and stuff because I would read them over and over again. And then when I got, you know, like the paperback that had the black and white, I would read the last part more than anything else so yeah i was i tried to stick to not picking stuff out of any of the movie adaptations it's funny you say that because i was just about to say the exact same thing that whenever possible i avoided the adaptations and you know now that i think about it this was really stupid i should have thought to ask uh, on my own list of hey what you know what was your favorite issue of an adaptation i never thought of that that would be a hard question off the top of my head I'd probably say issue two, which was that Star in Star Wars adaptation, mm-hmm. and That's it where starts. The art, art took a better. Uh, oh yeah, better. it's night and freaking day, mm-hmm. and it the it, the adaptation in that sequence it starts where Luke is on the ground having been attacked by sand people, and it ends, I think, right before the destruction of Alderaan, if I remember right. It's quite a stretch. And I love that. I love the art in that issue. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just off the top of my head. There's other issues I really like, too. So it, it, that'd be a tough one to decide. That issue's but... going to come up again, too. Yeah. Solid. In here. Well, Andy just wraps up by saying, Look, looking forward to whatever comes next best, Andrew Leyland. All right. So, oh, I never gave mine, did I? No. All right. Which Marvel issue most screamed, this is Star Wars to you? Um, this is completely off the top of my head. I would say issue 52. Again, it's that it has that sequence in it where uh, Vader gets blown out of the airlock, but for multiple reasons. I mean, it's the second half of the to take the Tarkin story. It feels like a movie. It's exciting. It's got basically what i want from star wars it's got a small band of your favorite rebels you know minus han solo of course but it's got all the the regular guys you know luke leia the droids chewy all going to basically what is a death star to take it out it's got a great sequence toward the very end of it where vader chases them in his special tie fighter uh, chasing the Millennium Falcon. I mean, what is more Star Wars than that? You know, it's just uh, that issue from from beginning to end screams Star Wars to me. I, I really like that issue, and it's 
there was another issue. I wish I'd written it down what it was. There was another issue that was a contender, and the only reason it lost out, I don't like the cover on that issue. Whereas 52, I like it from cover to back cover. It's just a, a solid issue. Really, really good. All right, this one's a little bit longer one. This one is from Dan Geister. He writes, Dear Chris and Scott and company, says, I have to say I've been following your Choo Choo Freaks podcast for a little over two years now. I've listened to most of your shows and at one time or another, but never missed Star Wars Monthly Monday. I even went back and listened to your archive Star Wars episodes that I missed. This is the first time writing in in any length. I have to say that I really enjoyed your in-depth analysis of the Marvel Star Wars series. It is a favorite of mine since I read it. I am not quite the same vintage as you guys, but I am as old as the first Star Wars movie. My first comics were the Return of the Jedi miniseries that I got in 1983. Uh, I also had issue 100 when it came out, but did not read the entire series until I got reintroduced to Star Wars magic in 1993. Uh, I got the entire series in a short time and read them and revisited them uh, five times since. Most recently, following along uh, as you get to the issues. Really to hear from you uh, who experienced them as uh, they came out uh, as well as later. I could go on uh, a bit on specifics and particular episodes you've done, but I want to get to the issue at hand. Uh, you brought up on today's episode top threes from the series in a suggested order for continuing Star Wars Monthly Monday. Okay, top threes that I would suggest are top three writers, top three essential reads from modern Star Wars readers. Uh, he says here, Nathan P. Butler just finished going through Marvel, uh, the Marvel series and more on his YouTube channel and ends with whatever the story was, or whether, rather, the story was essential or not for Marvel or modern readers, uh, would love to hear an overall perspective from you, too. Hmm. I, I'm i not aware of That's that. That's interesting, yeah. Uh, he says, top three action figures produced from this series from Hasbro, and top three characters from this series that should be brought back in the modern EU, perhaps in the new uh, Dark Horse series. Says that should be plenty, as I am sure uh, you will get many other top threes from others. And all right, which one are we going to tackle first? All then? right, so first on that list is top three writers. Ah, well, right off the bat, um, has nothing to do with him being on the show, but Michelini, or as we know him, Dave or Davy Boy, I I think <laughs> he really got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just saying that because I know he doesn't listen to the show. So I hope not what? now. <laughs> but I think he really got it. And like the same with his work for Indiana Jones, for the adventures of Indiana Jones. He really understood the material. And that was some of the most Star Warsy Star Wars of the comics was when he was writing. Archie Goodman, wonky or not, he really, um, I guess you know was the first one in there with the machete mm -hmm. so i uh, give him and um and even though i have talked smack about a lot of her storylines i'm gonna say joe duffy because she was turning it around in a tough time and at the same time the, the you know between her and cynthia martin they really we're starting to bring it into its own thing, you know, something different. 
and their their own feel. And uh, I mean, when I was looking at the the you know you had Joe on this last issue, you know the colorist, the um, penciler, and the writer were all women, and the editor. Mm -hmm. That was not something you saw very much in comics in those days. Or these days, to <laughs> to be honest, not in mainstream, you know, big two um, companies for sure. So, yeah, that's why she makes my my top three list. I'm in, I'm interested to see what yours are. I don't think we're gonna completely match on this. Believe it or not, and I I don't know if you ranked yours in any order whatsoever. I I I think that was a. It's hard to Michelinie's definitely number one. He's definitely mm -hmm. my favorite, and the other two, and the two I could argue them um, back and forth, back and forth for sure. Wow, yeah. this is awesome. See, every once in a while, it, we really do share the same brain because I've got exactly the same answers, and at least three times I switched the order of Goodwin and Duffy. So uh -huh. at the moment, I have it as Goodwin is number three. Duffy is number two, and then definitely David Michelinie is number one. That said, it must be pointed out that the issue that is my number one pick for a question later on of what was the best single issue, not written by any of the three of them. So hmm. put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> All right, next question was, Top three essential reads for modern Star Wars readers. Mine all come with with caveats because right. they're not necessarily like, like saying this is you should read this because this is the best. It all has, uh, except for the Simonson run. Basically, the whole every all the stuff that you know the whole run that's uh, it's a brief run, but it's a beautiful run, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and that was that was Michelinie writing at that point, right? And uh -huh. I think Simonson was was Simonson writing any of it then? I don't think he was. He may have been contributing, but contributing. I, I always had the feeling he was essentially just the artist. Just but the artist. I, I could be wrong. So that that's just that's just you know good writing and good art, and it's solid, and there's good stories in there. So that would be why I would recommend that. Here's where it gets weird: the whole Don Juan Quixote. What is it like seven against the universe or something like that? Yeah. That one, because that is when, okay, when you go to something stupid crack.com, which always has little trap stories for comic book and, you know, superhero and sci-fi fans. And then you go to it and you realize the person doesn't really know that much about what they're writing. Right. It just got you to click on their website. And when, when you hear somebody talking shit about the Mar Marvel comics run, they're always going to bring up Jack. Oh, yeah, there was a. Oh, yeah, it really happened. There was a, ra a green rabbit called Jackson and Don Juan Quixote and all that stuff. But I want you to go back and read that and see it ain't as bad as it's portrayed. It's not great, but it's not as bad as it's portrayed. They're fun reads, you know. Even and if it was, you got to give it props as being the first. It's the first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that was, that had to be tough. They were br totally breaking new, and they didn't know if they should take it completely seriously or not. And obviously they were like, okay, we'll do, we'll put Bugs Bunny in it. Which might have been misguided, but 
you know, it's so tied into my youth and, and nostalgia that it's hard to, to be completely dispassionate about it. So, and uh, my other one is also a weird one, but uh, the issues where the Mandal the Mandalore issues where we get Fen Shisa and especially the one that sort of talks about the Clone Wars and the Mandalorians mm-hmm. to get a little bit, and that's another Michelini story where you get a little taste of how the Marvel comics very nearly foreshadowed stuff that would happen in the prequels. Right. They didn't really get the whole thing of the but if you read there's a there's a a double page spread that just has a picture of Fenchisa and another Mandalorian sort of facing in different directions and like a montage of war underneath them where it sort of talks about the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian's part in it. And you could almost shoehorn it in with mm-hmm. the story that got established. And that happened more than once in, in these comics. And it seemed to happen a lot with Michelini, too. He seemed to have his, you know, for, foresee a, a lot of things or get a lot of things right ahead of time. So I would put that in as just a good solid example of like the Marvel Star Wars comics being more prescient. All of all of these, except for the Don Juan Quixote, would also be to to really get rid of the notion that it was a stupid just sort of aberration in the Star Wars universe, you know? And those are my essential reads. Alright. I was trying to think of the definition of, of essential reads, and I had a couple of different thoughts. For one, I was thinking of this from the angle of you could bundle it as like a trade paperback, you know, like the you know the essential read collection, right, you right, know, that yeah. sort of thing. But also from the angle of I got really hung up on what he said with modern Star Wars readers, so I was trying to imagine what would be the sensibilities of a modern writer, the things that or a modern reader rather, and the things that they would tolerate and wouldn't tolerate. So as much as I wanted to pull something from the first 38 issues, I couldn't find anything in there that I really thought was both essential and something that a modern reader would really latch on to. So the ones that I did eventually go with is the Michelini era. You know, exactly what you were talking about with uh, with Simonson and, and that sort of thing. You know, going from, say, like, Cliff through the whole Shira Bree saga, that sort of thing. I I do think that is when the series was definitely clicking at its absolute best. I I think that is the high watermark of the entire series. And then what immediately followed that, because as soon as Michelini left, Duffy picked up right from where he left off and basically continued it. So basically, you would go from, say, Pliff pretty much right up to Return of the Jedi. And then as the third one, it's really just three issues. It would be issues 95 through 97, which was Luke's battle with uh, Lumia. And then issue 97 was like the beginnings of the Nagai, you know, the introduction of the Nagai and what the whole war was going to look like and everything. And that to me is, although there's other issues that we enjoyed past that point, that was like the last time it was like really great before you could kind of feel the quality start to slack a bit. You know what I mean? 
So that's that's why I thought that would be good because then you've got kind of a taste of, you know, the the very best era, and then just a little teeny t- taste of what it was like after Return of the Jedi was actually over, kind of thing. So that was my reasoning with that. Uh, let's see, next one's top three action figures produced from the series from Hasbro. I have to bow out of that one because I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I've not, you know, and I mean, I could have looked them up. Right. But uh, they wouldn't have really, I would have had to been like, oh, now I know about them. Okay, let me go and pick my favorites. Right. Throughout of them. And I don't know. I don't have any favorites because I've, you know, I mean, are those ones that you got of um, Lumaya and Luke, are those what he's talking about? Uh, I looked on the back. It says they're from Hasbro, so they definitely make my list because I don't okay. really collect. Well, Luke and Lumaya yeah, <laughs> for sure makes my list, but I, I really don't know what other ones there were. I, I guess uh, Dark or whatever is not the Dark. Black Hole. Well, that <laughs> would be you mentioned earlier. Yeah, but that would be from the newspaper strips. Though. Oh, right. You're right. So this this one for me was easy only because I just happened to have three. I mean, I really don't collect figures anymore. However, when I found out that these either existed or were coming out, I purposely tracked them down because of who the characters were. So just real quick, I've got uh, there actually was a Shira Bree figure. It was part of a, uh, it's called, this is, I'm just getting this off the box. It says Star Wars Legacy Collection Evolutions. This is Rebel Pilot Legacy Series 3. It was a Walmart exclusive that I picked up. It has three different Rebel Pilots in it. One of them is Shira Bree. So I got it specifically because she was in it. Um, Then there's one that's called Star Wars Comic Packs. This is what I was talking about earlier where it's, there's two figures in it and a reprint of the issue um, that's relevant to the characters. So this particular one has uh, Lumia, which is the reason I bought it. But then the other figure was really cool too. Usually the second figure, I don't care about. I buy them because there's one figure I care about. This one was actually cool because it's Luke as he looks in that issue drawn by Cynthia Martin. So He's got mm-hmm. basically his Bespin fatigues, except there's no sleeves on it. So it's like a wife beater version of the Bespin fatigues. And he has his lightsaber and his light baton. And it's just a badass looking figure. And then um, the other one, and these weren't in any particular order. Um, the third one was uh, Fen Shisa. They actually made a Fen Shisa figure. And when I found that out, I flipped out of my friggin' mind because I could not believe they made a figure yeah. of Fen Shisa, so I ran right out and got sure that. Yeah. They actually made a figure as well of uh, of Toby Dalla. I have yet to get that one. They're essentially the same figure. It's I think the heads inside the helmets are slightly different, like maybe like a different hair color or something like that. But essentially, they're the same figure. But I'd like to have it just to be a completist, you know. But uh, they, they should have made uh, one with like three hujibs in it. That would have been really cool. I know there, there's still places they could go with that because there's still for all the figures they have done based on Marvel Star Wars there. To my knowledge, there's still a lot of them they haven't done. I would love to see them do one of those two packs and have it be um, two packs Jackson <laughs> and uh, Amaza. I think that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Jackson and uh what was the porcupine dude's name? I can't remember, but I always thought he was kind of cool, too. Yeah. 
He was a wise cracker too. Yep. All right, let's see. Next one here is top three characters from the series that should be brought back into the modern EU, perhaps in the new uh, Dark Horse series. There's a lot of them. And here's once again where I was like, I think I want to pick the same ones that Scott will want to (laughs) pick. Maybe I'll pick someone different. But if it came down to where I really had this decision, I would have to go with the 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 three that you just have that which is Lumaya, Pliff, and Fenchisa. Those are mm-hmm. the I would I would out of any of that there's other characters that could that could make it in there. But I would be re- tickled pink to see any of these guys show up again in any way, shape or form. Actually Lumaya and Pliff more than Fenchisa. If I had a choice of just one, Pliff. See, I know that there have been stories that have featured Hujibs. I mm-hmm. don't know that Pliff's ever reappeared. Lumaya has because um, she was a big part of that series. I think Legacy of the Force was the name of it now that I think about it. It was, it was one of the more recent book series. But she came back and, and she played a pretty big role in that as i understand i've i've started reading that book i haven't made it very far into it i i'm having a tough time with it i got to be honest i don't think it's very good the only thing that's keeping me reading is that i know eventually she comes into it so i'm trying to read it for lumaya but i'm finding it a very very tough read doing um, it for you sure bright but one that did definitely make my list was Fen Shisa, and I hope that's not too much of a cheat because he has been uh, featured in the EU. You know, he's been in some stories I've read, but I haven't seen him really like front and center. I'm I'm thinking like front and center appearances. Yeah. So I want some more Fen Shisa. I'm, I'm still thinking, fascinated. I'm thinking by that the character. movies. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I want to see these guys show up in a movie or a t- yeah animated TV show or something. So definitely Fenshisa. This one, I, I'd really like to kind of see them as a package. So this is three characters, but I'd like them together. Is uh, Danny, Rick, and Cheeto. I actually mm-hmm. like those guys. Mm-hmm. I like those guys quite a lot. You could have a little adventure series just starring them that would be really exciting because mm-hmm. they're actually living the pre-Star Wars Han Solo life, and there's three yep. of them. And uh, lastly, and again, these were no, in no order at all. And don't laugh. I know there's going to be people out there that will be like, oh, Jesus Christ. But I'm serious as a heart attack. Jackson and Amaza. I like those characters. I'd really like to see where did they go beyond Seven Against the Galaxy or whatever the hell the name of that story was. I'd really what like to know. kids look like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there was a little bit more to this email. Let's see here. He says, uh, as for what you should cover in the future... In what order? Good question. He says, I think maybe you should cover the newspaper strips since they were put out in the original trilogy area. Perhaps supplement them with the latest issue of the Dark Horse Star Wars title, which is surprisingly excellent. It's like he read our minds. Yeah. yeah. It brings. (laughs) Maybe one episode on the Droids and Ewoks series. (sighs) Maybe one episode. (laughs) They are not that great overall. Yes, that's why we haven't discussed them until now. Very kind of you. <laughs> but I don't remember you talking about them before. It's because they sucked ass. But sometimes my memory can be faulty. Yeah, me too. Huh? So, uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> I don't think you need to go in depth or 
do only one or two uh, issues and episode through uh, an episode though. I'm sorry, I can't read tonight. Maybe one episode for the whole Droid series and one episode on Ewoks. I don't know. You're asking an awful lot, dude. <laughs> Says after all that, which I am sure will take a while. I would personally like to hear you go through in timeline order everything put out in the original trilogy era from titles like Empire, Rebellion, Tales, and other miniseries. Oh, uh, yeah? Want... Well, I'd like to see a Scotsman on a horse. <laughs> if you want to go to the prequel era, too, that would be fine. But that is my suggestion. That's from Dan G. of River Falls, Wisconsin. By the way, he wants us to plug here that he has a YouTube channel in which... Uh, oh. That he does, where he goes by the name RF Biker Scout. And this solves a mystery for me. I have seen RF Biker Scout all over YouTube pimping two true freaks and have long wondered who it was. So thank you very much, dude. I really, all over really, YouTube? really appreciate that. Yes. Yes. A lot of different places where people have posted something Star Wars related or Marvel Comics uh, Star Wars related. And pimping us. Like, hey, did you know that there's these guys that talk about this kind of thing? So I like that. I'm, this is I'm on YouTube or yeah. Facebook? YouTube. Huh. YouTube, yeah. I've seen it several places. And he actually invites us to a uh, 30th anniversary uh, Return of the Jedi episode that he's doing on May 25th. Uh, what is today? 21st. <laughs> I don't know that we'll make it. But uh, I do really appreciate the invite, dude. And... Uh, Give me a little more lead time next time, and uh, and we'll make something happen. I would be honored. I would, I would get a I kick that, out of that. I think that might be the day I'll be serving up barbecue. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were thought you were making Looking a joke up. there at first, but no. Nope. You, yeah, yeah, you nope. will be. I'm going to be making barbecue. All right. Next one. Oh, guess who this one's by? The Irredeemable Show. Oh, uh, how... how... Could I not figure that he would have to put his two cents in? <laughs> he says, hey, freaks, he said, you said you wanted letters, so here we go. Loving your Star Wars Marvel Comics coverage and sad that it's coming to an end. I know you've got plans to continue covering comics in that galaxy far, far away, but I'll miss the nostalgia of the old Marvel Comics. Oh, you and me both, buddy. Since I wanted to uh, follow up on some comments you guys made a couple of episodes ago. You were excited that Marvel was taking back the Star Wars comic license. At first I was excited too, but upon further reflection I'm pretty concerned about this. Here's why. A few years back, Boom Studios had the Disney Comics license. Uh, they were publishing several monthly Disney comics under the Boom, uh, excuse me, the Kaboom banner. Uh, and then he provides a link to uh, the different ones that they were do that they were producing. So since once Marvel was bought by Disney, they terminated the agreement with Boom and moved the Disney Comics license to Marvel in 2011. Since then, very few Disney comics have been released, uh, practically none, to be honest. Uh, so we went from several good titles with Boom to almost nothing with Marvel. Makes me wonder what will happen with Star Wars. My instinct says that Star Wars is a moneymaker and Marvel will uh, print some related comics. However, the history with Disney comics leaves me concerned. Once you finish uh, reviewing the Marvel Star Wars comics, I vote for the Dark Horse reprints of the daily comic strips, classic Star Wars. Great stuff, and it's not too much of a departure from the Marvel Star Wars. 
Failing that, I'd vote for Dark Horse's Empire and Rebellion. Just my two cents. Keep up the great work. And that's from the Irredeemable Shag. And you know, I've heard a lot of people expressing this same concern as far as... Uh, I just don't see how they're going to let them anything Star Wars sit. Because they have a lot of money to make back mm-hmm. <laughs> on Star Wars. So yeah. they got to get cracking. Yeah. That's my feeling Release as well. Release the Kraken. I have suspicions on what's going on with the Disney stuff um, and Marvel and all that, but uh, I, I don't really want to get into that here. But as far as Star Wars comics, I mean, you, you're printing your own money, so why wouldn't right. you? So I don't. I really don't think we have anything to worry about on that front. As far as all your suggestions, well, as you heard, I mean, we're definitely, uh, we have uh, the the comic strips in the queue, and I have absolutely no timeline at all as far as, like, say, Empire Rebellion and all that stuff from Dark Horse, but definitely on our radar, definitely some stuff that we want to get to. It's probably Mm going to be a little further down the road, but yes, uh, eventually. And uh, you'll note that Shag actually did not ask us any questions at all. It's very shag-like. He just came in and said what he wanted to say. Yep, absolutely. All right, next one up is from our buddy Mark Kamphausen, and he gets right to the freaking point here. He says, the top three <laughs> most memorable quotes from Star Wars. Oh, that one was really easy for me. Um, number one was uh, Gronk. <laughs> number two is uh, a variation of Gronk called Hronk, which is spelled with multiple H's and then Ronk. And then my fa- third favorite is actually a quote from the last issue, and that's Work Worf Woof Waffle, which is the sound <laughs> of a Wookiee laughing at the end. So there you go, man. You had to know my favorite three lines would all be chewy lines. <laughs> I had a hard time with this one. I had a really hard time with this you one. You can't tell me you don't have a Gronk on there. Please I do not. I can't believe oh, I did that. So that's, disappointed. That's in genius, you. dude. That is genius. But I'm genius. Hoping... We used to have every every I episode. Know. Pretty much, we've been tracking the, that. That's the only dialogue <laughs> we've been tracking this whole time. No, that was good. That was a good catch. I should have thought of that. Hopefully this one makes up for it. <laughs> okay. I hope it's not cheating because it is from the original six issues, but come on. This is one we used to say all the time. Swing that lightsaber, Ben. Yes. Oh, we're, oh, we're finished. finished. <laughs> it's from a cover, but I love it. That's one of my favorites because it's one I always remembered. That this... is, that is, that does make up for it. That's <laughs> This one is also from a cover. It's very simple, but I love it. From issue 72, we are looking up from the bottom of a carbonite freezing chamber as Han and and Lando are standing side by side. They're handcuffed and about to be put through the carbon freezing process. And each of them is saying, you first at the same time. I always really like that one. Lastly, number 62, the very last words in the book. Luke Skywalker, I have come for you. Love that. Love it, love it. Oh, yeah. All right.
right, Mark continues here. He says, the top three best additions to the Star Wars universe, planets, vehicles, characters, etc., as though George Lucas himself had created them. I missed that question, but I think I can answer it. Okay. The Tarkin is one that I yeah. can think of right off the top of my head. Valance the Cyborg Hunter. Perfect. I mean, yeah, it's a character. Well, he said characters in there, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I loved it. I, I, even though he had a weird motivation for hating Luke Skywalker because he was a droid lover, it, he was just a, a, a great character. You know, the half-man, half-machine. And the third was... And I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. But it was... Um, oh, what was... what The Tag family was had it that had created that um the one brother had created that um weapon the omega that frost the omega frost that's exactly it the omega, the omega frost. frost there i got three off the top of my head man there you go without even looking at the comics i love the omega, the omega frost. frost just i love anything with omega in it the omega man the omega I... glory I tried to follow pretty much what he... I think he meant these to be examples, but I, I just took him literally with this. So he said, planets, vehicles, characters, etc. Characters we will get back to shortly because that's asked again by someone else. So I'm going to substitute other in place of characters. So favorite planet? Again, the water world. I know we keep beating this water world thing, but I love the water world. That's something I always wanted to see in Star Wars. I still really want to see it. Although we kind of got a little bit of it with Camino, but I really like the idea of, you know, we got a planet that's all dirt. Why not a planet that's all water? I, I love that idea. I racked my brains, did some homework, and I finally found this one. I thought this was cool, and I remember us making a big deal about it at the time. In issue 60, there was a vehicle in there that uh, I looked it up, and according to Wikipedia, they call it the Subter Rover. It basically looks like kind of like a cross between a garbage truck and arc two this i'm pretty damn sure this is the first wheeled vehicle we ever saw in star wars so i was just impressed with that i liked the look of the thing i thought that was pretty neat and lastly the light whip just an amazing idea you know that somebody came up with that idea i, I love that and, it, and it's actually made its way into the eu and I, I love that idea. I think the light whip is just a hell of a cool invention uh, in, in addition to the Star Wars universe. He turns the tables on us. Uh -oh. The top three least Star Wars -y el uh, elements in Marvel Star Wars. What just doesn't fit in with Star Wars? Well, the least Star Warsy story ever was... Remember the what the the Three Stooges one where Vader and Leia <laughs> went to the banker world? That is on my list. Face, faced off. I didn't know it was a top three. That I listed that as, but I'm sure I can think of some more. Now that I'm 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 thinking about it, those um we, um, they were on. Oh, what the the Stenaxians. The Stenaxians were something out of uh, gargoyles. The, yeah, they were out of a different world altogether. And speaking of from a different world altogether, who can forget Cody's son child? <laughs> <laughs> and honorable mention, the wheel, um, 
Red Crosseners. Oh, yes. Yes. Shout out um, to Josh Bertoni. <laughs> I just realized that I don't have three on my list, but I'm sure I could come up with a third one off the top it might of my not head. Have top three list. I'm, I think I sort of interpreted it as what is the least Star Wars. It was sort of the opposite of what was the most Star Wars-y. Right. But, but it's not hard to pull three out. Yeah, no, it's not at all. Um, I had for Planet, I had Banker's World. Banker's World, if you don't remember, you didn't hear the episode, whatever. It was a neutral planet where both Darth Vader and Princess Leia could go and apply for loans. And methinks someone does not understand how Star Wars works. I'm sorry? And have madcap adventures where she dumps stuff on Darth Vader's head and he shakes his fist at her. You, why you? Yeah, it's well, I never just off. There's there is literally one one good moment in that entire (laughs) issue, and it's where the uh, the big fat three stooge, you know, stooge Mm -hmm. jumps down off of a uh, of a platform, and I don't know. I guess he's intent on eating Princess Leia or something. And she has Who this little it? remote control with her that increases his density to the point where he just goes to the, he like sinks to the core of the planet or some friggin' thing. Some stupid thing. It's stupid, but it was like the least shit moment of the entire <laughs> ocean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Faint praise right there. <laughs> um, let me see. Vehicles. I don't know if this counts as a vehicle, but Horses. Horses don't belong in Star Wars, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, Space you know, horses of some sort with flames coming out of their hiney or something yeah, like that. But just they, like you know, put a horn on them and make them unicorns or yes. you know something. But yeah, horses. No, I didn't. I don't have a third one. Gosh, I got to think. Let me see. He says here: planets, vehicles, characters. Yikes! I'm trying to think of something else that just didn't feel like Star Wars to me. Oh, those giant genie things from uh, I think it is from the Cody Sunchild story. Remember, they come out and they like eat a star destroyer or something sure. stupid oh, like that. Right, right. And and let's not forget the whole uh, John Carter Warlord of Mars story or Kitty Cat Head. Mm. Kitty Cat Head was pretty retarded too. You mean? <laughs> all right here's a great one top three comic covers ah now this is the second time that one this is the second time this one was was asked i just want to point that out we might have a couple of the three but all right we might not have much all three number one and this one's ranked number one for me is Luke Skywalker Pariah. Mm-hmm. Just a gorgeous cover in weird, you know, reds, and it's just an awesome cover. Um, number two, just because I always loved it as a kid, and and it came. This is the third time this has come up. Is issue number two. Mm-hmm. Swing that lightsaber, Ben, or we're finished. <laughs> we're finished. I love that cover. <laughs> He's, it's so much more dramatic. That it's just like everybody in the cantina is huddling around Ben and he's wildly swinging his lightsaber. I love it. It's it's total Marvel Comics. It's, yep. it's the most Marvel Comics-y cover of all the Marvel. It likes like one of their superhero comic covers. I love it. Third one, I don't think you like... I don't remember if you liked this cover or you didn't like this cover, but it was the duel with the Dark Lady. The, the, oh, the, is that 96? 
it's like 96, 97, 98, somewhere around in there. Yeah. And it's just the one with, with I think it's Lumaya in the foreground and Luke in the background. And he's yes. got his lightsaber up and she's got the whip out. Yes. That is, that, that that is on my list. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the reason I pointed out that this one was asked twice because I was only narr- able to narrow my list down to six. But since we got asked the same question of the top three covers twice, I figure that equals six. You just so. cover all six. Okay, there you go. go so it, all right, so my show. six are actually <laughs> it's I, our show. You can say there seven. you go. I put them actually in order of publications. So number one is issue number twenty-five. Uh, I love this cover. It's by uh, Infantino, and I forget who the uh, inker is on it. It's the cover of the Tie Fighters with Yavin behind them. Luke and Leia are actually on another moon of Yavin where they actually can't breathe. They have to wear spacesuits and they're being mm-hmm. attacked by TIE fighters. I just, I love that issue. I, I love that that cover, everything about little, it. A little Splash Gordon feel to it. Mm-hmm. And it's got a whole lot of Leia boob on it too. Mm, thank you, Infantino. Number 52, this is the one where on the cover... Uh, the Millennium Falcon is being chased by Darth Vader's TIE fighter, while in the background, Vader is looming over them, going like, <laughs> type of thing. It's great. It's yes, it is. And it, it, it's just gorgeous. I love that cover. 56, which is another Simonson cover. It's Lobot attacking Lando Calrissian, knocking him off the side I of Cloud see. City. Just fantastic. Number 61. This is the issue before Luke Skywalker Pariah. This is the one where Luke is commanding a TIE fighter that's flying on its side and reflected in the window is the TIE fighter he's shooting at. It's a Simonson cover. It's friggin' gorgeous. It is just, I mean, it's amazing, that cover. The detail in there is just beautiful. Number 71 this is the one that says the quest for Han Solo ends here. And it's got Lando crouching on the side with a blaster in hand. Luke is standing over him with his lightsaber. Uh, I love Luke's outfit. And in behind them is uh, the carbonite block with Han Solo. And it. it's just a, a classic, classic cover. Mm-hmm. Really solid. And then uh, my number six is the one that you just mentioned, uh, number 96. The uh, Duel of the Dark Lady. I love that. Absolutely beautiful. Mark rounds out with top three art teams. All right. This is in no particular order. Um, Cynthia Martin and Steve Lealoha. I love how he inked her art. I think that was the that was the burn in Austin of those two. Um, Simonson and Palmer, come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and Palmer gets mentioned twice because my third is uh, friends in Palmer. Excellent, excellent. My uh, my top three very very similar. I've got uh, and these are in no particular order. Simonson Palmer, mm-hmm. friends Palmer, mm-hmm. and Infantino Austin. Ah. Yeah. Got to mention them. Got to mention them. And the Oops. only reason that I didn't go with Martin and Leia Loha is because an art team, I would think, to me, is like you work together for at least a while. 
Whereas I think I would have liked and Aloha only did like what two issues, two issues I think something like and they yeah. were spread apart by by quite yes. a margin too, so that issue is going to get mentioned enough that I that I wanted to pick something else. If but. if they if they would have continued on, they would have you know I, I mean I think they would have been as epic as Simonson and Friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now this uh, this letter uh, is it came to us a little bit late, so I'm not sure if you have these questions on your list. I hope I'm not throwing you a curve here. No, I don't, but I'll do my best. Okay, this one is from Mike Parker, and uh, he says here, Star Wars Monthly Monday going forward and Marvel finale. He says here are my thoughts uh, going forward. He says first, I absolutely agree with covering the new Dark Horse series. This is the Star Wars comic I feel I have been waiting a long time for, and I bet others feel the same. Haven't read much EU stuff, but I think the Thrawn trilogy uh, uh, should done. I think you mean should be done, since it basically launched the entire EU. As far as the finale, I'd love to hear the top five. Oh, he threw us a curve. He says top five favorite stories and top five favorite new characters from the pre-Empire portion of the run from issue 1 to 38. I liked this one because he's specifically asking us for the pre-Empire era, which uh, I think is really cool. You know, meaning pre-Empire Strikes Back. So issues 1 through 38, top five favorite stories, top five favorite new characters. Oh, jeez. Want me to go first on this one? Yeah. (laughs) All right. So top five favorite stories from the pre-The Empire Strikes Back era. I've got number five, the Omega Frost saga. I'm not sure exactly what issues that covers, but you can look it up. Number four, Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker. This was right at the tail end just before The Empire Strikes Back. They actually fought before The Empire Strikes Back. And I love that story because Luke wears his swanky... Uh, Rebel Ceremony jacket through the entire story. I love that. Number three, the saga of Valance the Cyborg. I love that. I think it's awesome. And the conclusion to that story is still one of my favorite comics. Number two, the Siege at Yavin story. This is, uh, I think it's all contained in just 25 and 26, but it's basically where Luke has to fly into Yavin to take out uh, an Imperial weapon. And I love that story. I think it's fantastic. And number one, Waterworld. Again, Waterworld, awesome story, I love that. Top five characters from this era. Number five, you kind of have to take them together, but I would say Crimson Jack and Jolly. I I like those characters quite a bit. Jolly more than Crimson Jack, really, but. Number four, Baron Tag. Number three, again, Jackson and Amazie, you gotta take them together. Number two, Valance the Cyborg. And number one, I hope this isn't a cheat. I don't think it is, but young Obi-Wan Kenobi, because we got that great flashback story with young Obi-Wan from the Clone Wars uh, era. And uh, it was the first time we'd ever seen anything like that for Star Wars, and I I got a kick out of it. I think it's a fantastic story. What you think, man? Okay, so my characters, I got Jackson and Don Juan Quixote. Oh, God. Baron Tag and Valance, of course, and Jolly, because Carmine Infantino knew how to draw Jolly. Mm-hmm. Stories, I'm still trying to think of my fifth one. It's probably going to be, I'll just say Jawa. Was it the Jawa Express that had the return of um, 
Jawa Express is post Empire, isn't it? That's post Return of the Jedi. Jeez. Okay. Hmm. Well, definitely Waterworld. Mm hmm. Or, and the Death Game story, which was the wheel. The wheel, you know, yeah. The, um, and of, of course, Seven Against the Galaxy. Mm hmm. Because it was the first one. Now, was the one with the with Princess Leia and the Stormtrooper, that's post-Jedi. Oh, yeah, too, isn't yeah. It? I think the story is set pre-Jedi, but, but it came out, it was released post-Jedi, I think. Something like that. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to end it there because otherwise... I'm just I I'd I'd have to I'd have to dig through them. To... I think between the two of us, I think we covered every storyline there was. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. All right, we got one more letter. I'm gonna save this one for the moment. You'll understand why when I get back to it. So, I submitted a few myself just based on the fact that I was surprised nobody asked these specific questions, and I wanted to make sure that this stuff got covered. So from me, I want to hear your top five favorite single issues. Oh, or top three. I'm sorry. Top three, not top five. Top three. Okay. Well, my favorite issue probably of all time. It's a weird one. It's the Waterworld one. It's 12 Doom World, which is really the one. There were teasers of Luke landing on the planet, but this was the first one that kicked off, if I believe. The story, the the story at Waterworld, mm -hmm. and I remember the first part was mostly Han Solo in the, you know, in 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 that one with the giant Godzilla monster, and this one, really, when this story happened, this really felt like that one seemed like, um, they were trying to push Han Solo into a sort of gunfighter sort of story. And this one was more of like the continuing Star Wars storyline, you know, with Luke Skywalker and stuff like this. So this one I really sat up and paid attention to. My other one would be Pliff. I just love that comic. And that's another one that holds a little extra special place because it became a record adaptation. And nailing down a third, you know, especially with Cody Sunchild in there. <laughs> you know, it, it makes it really hard but it would probably be just because it has to be I guess would be Duel with a Dark Lady because that's the first one where they really made an enemy that really felt like a threat you know mm -hmm. she felt like a good replacement for Darth Vader and she had a motivation, and she was kind of a knockoff of Darth Vader, but they really added enough wrinkles to her to make her her own character, and they gave her history with Luke. So, yeah, that would that would be my top three, but it's a that's a really tough choice because if you gave me two or three hours to to start digging through here again, I'd start battling with myself over what was going to make it. What about you? It was hard for me I'm not. Yes. To go with Duel with the Dark Lady as favorite issue, but I really had to rack my brains for this and go with what are the issues, top to bottom, cover to back cover, I mm -hmm. love them. 
And mm -hmm. those, sadly, now that we have in-depth coverage them, it's the battle portions of both 95 and 96 that I like. It's the fight with Luke mm -hmm. that I like. The rest of it, I, I think uh, you were able to kind of poke a lot of holes in it, and it, and it kind yeah. of took it down some pegs for me, unfortunately. So that said, and these are ranked, so my number three, issue 103, tie. We just did that one. Oh, that one okay. breaks my heart yes. every time I yes. read it. I love that issue. It, it, it's such a punch in the gut, you know? It's a, it's a powerful, powerful issue. Um, number twenty oh. number twenty nine. I love this issue because I love the art. I love the fact that it's not about Luke or Han or Leia or anybody. This is a Darth Vader story, and this is the one where Vader and Valance the Cyborg fight each other and come to blows. Oh yeah! Fantastic, fantastic story. Because you know only one of them's walking away. And, uh, and it's great. I love that issue. And I love the art in it. Number one, favorite single issue, 86. It's the one where Leia meets the Stormtrooper from Alderaan. And this was the one I, I had said, you know, when we did the, the favorite the writers. Well, it's called the Alderaan Factor. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That issue was actually written by Randy Stradley, who's, you know, he's kind of big shit today over at, uh, at Dark Horse as far as Star Wars. But he got his start here, and so that's why he didn't make my list of the top three writers. But it's ironic that this is my favorite single issue. He just did the one. Right. So he should have made that list of writers. But to me, again, writers have a run. So that was my criteria for the writers. But uh, yeah, fantastic issue. The art's gorgeous. The story's just phenomenal. A really solid issue. All right, so I turn the tables on you. Top three least favorite single issues well you know right off the top of my head it's easy to zing off two right away and that's Cody Sunchild <laughs> and John Carter Warlord of Mars story that I can't remember the name of that one but it was the one with the little the, the pocket world and like a pocket dimension it was some mystical oh. Cody Sunchild that's a Cody Sunchild one yeah yeah as that's three one. right there, actually, because that uh, that John Carter one's a two-part story, so you could get your three out of those. Right I could. <laughs> I remember the one where they where that was. I don't know if it's one of the worst ones, but it was one of the most disappointing ones, and that was the one where they went back to Kazak, Kazik, Kazak, Kaz. Oh yeah, Kashik. They go to Kashik, and it's just like. I mean, all the characters are almost as goofy as they are, they were in the holiday special, you know? Mm -hmm. Remember, there's like Chewie's rival there, and but you did get to see Mala. Ah, Mala. But yeah, that, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's hard to say. There's some clunkers. I think you're going to like my list. Ooh. Because <laughs> there's one that you forgot. And you probably forgot it as a defense mechanism for your brain. Uh -huh. Blocked. All right. So number three, these are these are very specifically ranked, and my criteria on this was pretty much issues that I feel like have no redeeming qualities, start to finish. <laughs> number forty-six is my third one because while the story sucks, it's awful. The art is good in most of the issue. Cody Sunchild looks friggin' ridiculous. 
but <laughs> yes. the art Orlando looks great in that. I mean, a lot of the art is really good. So that's kind of. Oh, deceiving. I know which one I forgot. <laughs> oh, how could I forget? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Number two is uh, number 48. The third law, and again, this is the Banker Planet story. Top to bottom, absolutely goddamn ridiculous. It is the stupidest story. Goddamn ridiculous. It is. It, it's it's terrible. There's really not redeeming qualities. Even Leia being drawn by Infantino just doesn't work to save this issue. It just it's not good. Before I reveal my number one, I want to say how happy I am to find that we are at this point and my number one is not the one I would have thought going into coverage of Marvel Star Wars because for a long, long time, I feel like number 78 has gotten an unfair rap all these years as the worst issue. I was actually very delighted when we covered it that it's not as bad as the reputation that it has. That's the one where Wedge yeah, that's got... The one the- I- that's what I thought you were going to say. I didn't like the I thought the art in that was terrible too. But it's it wasn't as bad. The problem with that one and after talking to to uh Michelini, I think the problem with that one actually lies with Marvel or with Lucasfilm and not with Michelini as the writer. The problem with that issue is that Luke mistakes Wedge for Biggs. Basically Wedge has Biggs's backstory through the entire issue. And it just doesn't work. It, it doesn't because they they've confused characters. That's the fatal flaw with that issue. That said, it's not as bad as the reputation it has. So my number one, and you're gonna love this one, Chris. My number one is issue sixty-four, Surfidian Eyes. <laughs> oh yes, that issue. Yes, it does. It's got some horrible art in it, too, if I recall right. That issue was friggin' horrible. Luke winds up on this planet of basically they're Gorns. Yep. They're like a cross between like a Gorn Gorn. and a a Sleestack. Yes. And they live basically in King Arthur's court. They have castles. They have princesses with big, you know, frilly hats, and it's it's completely ridiculous. They have jousting matches. It's essentially, it's medieval England populated by lizard people. And Luke goes there, I can't remember what the hell the story was, but essentially, at the end of it, Luke basically sets up the next space Hitler. So, yeah. Awful, awful. It's awful. It's just a doll. Most of the awful comics end with somebody setting up Space Hitler, too. (laughs) All right, so top three favorite original characters. Did we cover this one already? Yeah, we sure did. I thought we might have. Okay, so we'll skip that one. Top three least favorite original characters. Uh, Well, there's going to be a lot of uh, crossing the streams here because it's got... There's... Cody Sunchild, I'm looking at you. You suck, suck, suck. There's definitely <laughs> the psychic cat. Once again, Dave Michelini, one of our favorite writers of Star Wars, came yep. up with that. 
Um, you definitely got Cody Sunchild. That's how, just an easy one. That's the how good. about how about this classic, General Scar from uh, John Carter, Warlord of Star oh, Wars. God. Remember, oh. he was that big lizard, like dinosaur-looking yeah. freak. Well, and then there's the whole race of the Hiromi. <laughs> I'll one-up you one Am more I racist time. for not liking the Hiromi? <laughs> the entire cast of, of issue number 89. That was the uh, Elf Quest issue there where, oh, where God. Luke friended the uh, the little tramp, whatever the hell his name was, Skippy or whatever. Yeah, That issue sucks, too. That The little, the little girl boy. Yeah. That issue is god The only reason that issue didn't make it on my list of least favorite single issues is for that one moment where Luke raises up whatever name was Mary or whatever with the force and has his little Anakin moment. That part I liked enough to spare that one from the list, but the rest of that issue pretty much sucks. So top three favorite cliffhanger endings. Well, Luke Skywalker, I've come for you is number one right there. Yep. God, it's hard to remember issue by issue. Oh, I got, man. I got a couple for yeah, you. I, yeah, it's I, funny because I thought a whole, of a whole bunch of them after I made this list, too. But I still think I'm still going to stick to these because I do think these are probably the best ones. From issue number 56 ends with Lando tossed off of Cloud City. Hello, what have we here? Ah! Oh, yes, yes. I love that one. Love, love, love that one. Issue 61 ends by revealing that Luke Skywalker has killed his girlfriend, Shira Bry. I love that one. And the very next issue, number 62, Luke Skywalker, I have come for you. Um, let me see. There was another one I thought of earlier that I was like, damn, this one should make the list, but you know, gotta keep it to three. But it was um it was issue I think it's the end of seventy-four that ends with Luke and Leia are underwater at that station on Iskalon when the Iskalon effect hits and busts the window open. Oh right. I, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember. The, I know there was some other really good ones too, but I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head. I don't remember. <laughs> Got any other ones on that one? Yeah, no. Those. I mean, those are hard for to do off the top of my head because I just can't remember how individual up. You know, I'd have to go through and like look to go like, okay, this one did end on a cliffhanger and or right. whatever. You know what I mean? Most of the uh, Michelini issues ended with a, with a cliffhanger, kind of and, cliffhanger, and most of them were really solid. All right, well, this one, to me, was in a very similar vein. Top three biggest holy shit moments. Oh, well, with the return of Darth Vader, where that, that oh, giant one-page yeah. spread where he's, you know, strangling a, a straggler rebel. That was that was the first really big holy shit moment. That should have made my list. When you saw the cover where it seemed like they were going to find Han Solo, that was pretty crazy. And my third holy shit moment is <laughs> issue 107 comes out and you realize it's over. <laughs> All of yeah. a sudden, you go to the comic store and go, wait a minute, what, last issue? 
<laughs> so, way to bring it back. Thing. Way to bring it back. I like that. This to me was hard not to do as a continuation of the you know favorite cliffhanger endings, but uh, th this is what I narrowed it down to was Luke versus Lumaya, which is kind of a cheat because you know it, it was a prolonged battle, of course, but I still really like that when they finally finally faced off with one another that was a holy shit moment and it still is i, I really really like that number two was the one that you just mentioned uh and again i think this actually was a cliffhanger ending where lando and yeah they Luke, sort of turned a corner and there yeah, was like they catch up with the carbonite block turn it around only to find out that's not Han Solo. It's uh, It was actually Cheeto frozen in a block of carbonite. That's a great break. Cheeto bandito. <laughs> and uh, my number one, Lumia is revealed Frito to be bandito. Shira Bri. I, I just, yeah. I, or Shira. Shira Bree. I, I just think that was a, that was solid. Alright, my last one. Gonna turn the tables on you one more time. Top three lamest moments this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Ugh. There's quite a few of them. There, there were, are, unfortunately. There were a few there of them. There were quite a few of them towards the end, too. Jeez. There was that whole... Remember when we were... Um, we just mentioned them. The, um, the bug creatures. The cowardly cockroach Oh, Hiromi? Hiromi. That first issue with the Hiromi General, where it's sort of like a mixture of the Ewoks and the um, and the oh, what what the hell were they called when they went to puberty? They turned into big oh, barreling hawks, right? Hucks. And and it turned that that one turned into a Three Stooges routine. Just about every moment of comedy in Bank World. I mean, really, the more we bring it up, the more we just have to impress. I should have put that on my essential reads to just show the depths. <laughs> this this one is one that truly lives up to the the reputation that it has of being goofy. Everything about Cody Sunchild, but that's not really a moment. There were there were lots of wasted moments, like when they brought back Boba Fett for two seconds. Was that in the Jawa Express? That was the Jawa Express, I believe. Yeah. And that sort of foreshadowed Jedi. Oh, no, that was after post-Jedi. Was Jawa Express the name of that story, or was Jawa Express the name of one of the Return to Tatooine stories? I can't remember. I can't remember. Well, no, it is a return, because it's the issue before it was Return to Tatooine. Right. But it was one of those ones. But it I know the one you mean. Though. Many that they, where they went to uh, Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure. It, it, it could have been the the um, one of the false ringing moments. Remember back on the um, on the wheel when Luke would was they, they they sort of played around with it a lot at first in the early run of of Luke sort of going into coma trance states and fighting Darth Vader. And having weird psychological drama go on in his dreams and fugues, I remember that not really sitting well with me. <laughs> the, then, then there was when they brought back Jabba the Hutt, and it was old Jabba. 
That was a little Wonko-rama. I don't know, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. I had quite the list here, and it was hard <laughs> to narrow it down to three, but here's essentially what I came down to. I did not mark issue numbers on this, but this is essentially what you got. During the Return to Kashyyyk story, Han punches out a Wookiee. Oh, um, right. We tried our best to no prize it, and I just, I think you really just can't yeah, no prize that. I think, yeah, that just doesn't happen. I don't care how pissed off Han Solo is; he's not knocking out a Wookiee. Amazingly, that sounds like a that sounds like a euphemism for something. <laughs> like you haven't taken a dump in a long time. Excuse me, I gotta go knock out a Wookiee. <laughs> um. Amazingly, both my number two and number one are both from the same issue. Viscount Tardy is revealed to be a robot. Right. Basically negating the entire friggin' issue that we've been reading up to that point. It was like, if this guy's a robot, why the hell have we been doing all the stuff we've been doing to to save his life? And, And it was just so stupid. In that same issue... One of Darth Vader's hired assassins is a vampire. A vampire that doesn't turn into a bat, turns into a butterfly. Oh, good lord, that's right. And doesn't he just, he just gets swatted at some point. I think Leia steps on him if I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A vampire that turns into a butterfly. Wrap your mind Sounds around. like Twilight. Yeah. That, uh, I think that's... I'm pretty sure that's... Uh, there's not many more lamer moments than that in Star Wars. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's probably people looking that up right now to make sure you're not making that up. He's not making that up. I am not making that up. As sad as that is, I am not making that up. My last letter here, and I I purposely saved this to last for a very specific reason. This one is from Simon Perrins. And uh, he sent us a list. He sent me three questions, but I think we've pretty much addressed the first two, if I'm not mistaken. So is number three, he says, finally, when and why? Did the Marvel series go from being the goofy, red-headed stepchild of the franchise that no one liked to admit to or even talk about to the position it is in now, where it seems to be well thought of and regularly referenced all over the EU? You mind if I, I take this one? I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I agree with that statement. <laughs> I think it's still a, this is a red-headed stepchild. I don't think it's really become... It has with us. If you listen to Scott and I talk about it, we definitely speak of it as if it were this canonical thing, you know. But I think we're in the minority as far as that goes. You pretty much went where where I was going. Simon, I, I'm, I'm glad that you see it that way. I'm glad that you look at the series that way. And if indeed yeah. the tide has turned to where the series has gained a measure of respect and, it, and it's not regarded the way I think it's regarded, the way that we perceived it to be regarded when we wanted to do this in the first place because we got tired of every website that you would read 
constantly dissing on this. Jackson, like, like, Jackson, rabbit, yeah. Jackson, rabbit, Jackson. Yeah. I, you know, this may sound terribly big-headed, but your question was, when and why did the series go from that to being well-regarded? I'd like to think we had something to do with that. <laughs> I was it, just if, when Freaks Star Wars Monthly Monday went on the air. <laughs> I, I really would. I mean, I know that that may sound terribly egotistical because I can say that because I'm not convinced that's the case. But yeah. <laughs> if there it has been a measure of elevation, no matter how slight that you know that that might be, I'd like to think we contributed to that because we really do love it. I think it's a worthwhile read. Does it have its goofy elements? Sure, it does. We just pointed out a shitload of them. But at the end of the day, we wouldn't have spent five years on this. Five we years. didn't think that it was a worthwhile read with a lot of really great and enjoyable elements. We've pointed out a lot of them to you. I encourage you, if you've never read it, if you haven't read it in a long time, you're trying to get somebody else to get into Star Wars, check this stuff out. It, it's a good series. It's a really, really good series, and we've given you plenty to work with to find moments that you're going to enjoy in the series. So that's why I purposely wanted to uh, to save Simon's question to last, because... Uh, yeah, when did it change? I think it changed right here. That's pretty much all I got. What do you got? Anything else? We've uh, managed to record quite the uh, epic this time. Yeah, I think. yeah. No, I think I think we should probably just stop because I do have. We we could go on and on and on and on. Absolutely. It's kind of a trick question. Saying you got anything else? But... <laughs> well. Indiana Jones will return. Um, <laughs> not sure if that will be next episode or not, but Indiana Jones will return. We'll get back to the further adventures um, next time around. Not exactly sure what we're covering. Very likely Star Wars Annual Number One. That's what I was going to say. Annual Number One would probably be the best bet. All right, that works for me. So stick around. Little treat for you. Here is Symphony in the Stars. Star Wars fans, please welcome your host of Symphony of the Stars, Jedi Master Yoda. Greetings! Honored I am to join all of you in such an exciting celebration of the Force. A powerful ally, it is. Allows us to accomplish many great things it does. Yeah. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us, binds us, flows through us. All around the forest, you can feel it. Believe me, you do not? Well, sure you will. Yes.
That's awesome.
That was awesome. To the event stage for a dance party Get it all? Slow going and stop. Thank you. That was awesome. I think I blew my voice out. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.com, 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. True Freaks has been brought to you today by Demanzacor of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.